I'm Rob. I'm me. Oh, hey, I'm Castro. <laughs> and welcome to the next movement. This is the first uh, opportunity we've had to record since uh, since the passing of Nipsey Hussle, and it feels vitally important to to say something about that. Mm-hmm. Especially since the memorial was the other day. Just yesterday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to watch on the memorial. It's such a good outpouring of love with his family, the strength, and, and also the sadness. It was, it, was, it, was, it was good to see, but it was hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like many other people. I've been kind of fucked up about the whole thing. Yeah, I did not watch. Um, and and quite honestly, I didn't. I'm not versed in Nip. Like I haven't been listening to him from the beginning. Um, I love Victory Lap, but um, I haven't been there from the start. But he was. He did tremendous things for his community. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he died, you know, I I, I saw a post from somebody. Um, like a family friend and he said if you didn't know any of Nipsey's music but you're still upset about a black man dying it's okay and that's exactly how I felt mm-hmm. when I found out that he passed I, I'm tired of seeing black men dying you know and so that I really felt that death um, and you know not because I knew his music but because he was a black man um, a black man that was trying a black man that was doing the right thing for his community, a black man who was a father, a partner, a son. Um, you know, it was, it was really hard to hear that news. Yeah, um, I wasn't well versed in Nip's music. You know, just by choice. I knew of him for a long time, but I never really did a head first dive. But I knew his movement, mm-hmm. and I was always aware of what he was doing. Like, I mean, for Christ's sakes, he was opening up a STEM university. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was. Mm-hmm. The good thing about Nip, he was always like on the upper echelon of, of certain things. And he was a researcher, you could tell. And so because he was applying all those things to his community, he was definitely an icon to look up to. Whether you listen to one bar of his, 
or you saw him, you know, next to Snoop Dogg on occasion, or you, I, I would see him a lot with YG recently. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. they, they yeah. do a lot of yeah. cross promotion with their stuff and the red and blue and all of that, and that was good for both of them. Um, but um, just salute to the man. He, he will be very much missed, but it's a testament, just like as he mentioned it. I wasn't familiar with his music, and he still had a great effect on me, and I think that's that'll be his lasting legacy. And yeah. his music included, but just the fact that he's touched you even if you weren't a fan of his. And that's, right. that's pretty rare. Right. right. That's pretty rare. Yeah, I've been, I feel like, hearing news stories like every day from people that knew him, people in the community. And that that's what's fucked me up about it the most is like hearing the, the like moves he was making and the progress he was making mm -hmm. and hearing from so many people whose lives he touched that cut short nonsense and how and how much of a entrepreneur he was mm -hmm. which is so important in the black community um, and him just trying to pass on that knowledge to younger generations there's a lot of good graphics going on associated with him like there's like a list of uh, seven entrepreneurial power moves that Nipsey was trying to mm -hmm. instill in people and it's a nice list of seven mm -hmm. I mean in a meme culture you know just for lack of a better term yeah. those are good things that are generated because people will They'll post a picture really quick just to get that little cred. But these are good um, images being spread. Mm -hmm. There's another new one they just dropped, I guess, today, and it showed like this great circular graph of um, all of the things he's influenced, how many people he's hired, all of the institutions he's started, uh, some of the property he was acquiring, some of the things that are opening in 2019 and 2020 based on his investments. Yeah. And it just shows his, um, it's like a circle of influence. He's hired like 250,000 people or in one way or another, like a good tree they show. So I just like the images that are associated with him um, after he passed. It's, it's, with Nip, it's like unfortunate that this had to happen, but it, it's shown that it's such a great catalyst. He seems yeah. to be like a, as his mother would say, like a, not what she said, but how she described it. To me, it's like a dandelion, like the flower was so weak to hold out what it needed and needed to explode and the seeds to grow and, and spread out. And like across the country, people are talking about him. They weren't talking about him yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so, and talk about the things that he did. They weren't talking right. about him yesterday. So that's always mm -hmm. good to lead that type of legacy. I hope it doesn't become, you know, we're on a hashtag culture. So I want it next week. I hope we're still speaking about the things that he wanted to instill. Right. But, yeah. You know, truth be told, we're not talking about Aretha Franklin anymore. Right. And that just happened. You know, and so yeah. it's just, the, you know, the world we live in. It's just up to us to just keep the drum, mm -hmm. you know, keep beating the drum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get the marathon going. The marathon shall continue. And his wife said that at the funeral. I burst out crying. Mm. That was yeah. hard. Uh, that was just, just showed you that their their connection. It it, it's hard for me to watch anything that she's any picture of them. Like it's hard for me to see that. It's hard for me to hear anything she says or watch any of the videos that she's done. Like I I just can't. It's it's too much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, just my heart goes out to his family, the community. Mm-hmm. It's a big loss. And I'm wondering, I don't like to get in the habit of doing comparisons, but I'm just wondering if it's this generation's, just the feelings and emotions that come along with it because he was such a, he had such a powerful voice. Like, if it's similar to Tupac at all. Um, I mean, that's the low-hanging fruit in terms of the comparisons. The, the big thing about Nip and Tupac is... Nip is actually doing the things that Pac spoke about. Mm -hmm. Right. And with Pac, he was way more, I would say, involved in the business front of what he was doing. I mean, excuse me, in the entertainment front of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. that he didn't get to the business um, byproducts and like, all right, I made this much money now. But he sure. was working all the time on music. Right. I think Nip has been able to, 
master doing both in a similar mm-hmm. pace. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's been able to do a lot of things. That, you know, Tupac planted that seed. Um, Tupac's violence, I mean, it's definitely black on black violence. It just seemed a little bit more domino influence, like something happened to this, and then it led to this, and then mm-hmm. somebody oh, rolled yeah, up on him and shot him. Oh, absolutely. The Nipsey thing seemed a little bit more acute, mm-hmm. and uh, just a hater, like for every definition of that term, because he was somewhat yeah. of a stranger. He did go back twice and shoot him. It's like, you really didn't like this yeah. man. Even if you didn't like him, just right thing. Because I heard they didn't really know each other. But just yeah. that type of hatred, the bubble of that level. You did shoot him. Mm-hmm. Then you came back and shot him again. Yeah. And you shot him a third time and kicked him. Like, you're mad. Yeah. Like, you know, you're you're mad mad, as, as the kids yeah. say. And that's 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 unfortunate. He, he reached that level of uh, rage against somebody who looks just like him. Yeah. The second time, maybe you just go, all right, you know, I got my point off. You run off. Right. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. I'm not really into gun culture all the way. I don't even own a weapon. So I couldn't say what he was feeling or thinking, but just mm-hmm. the hatred that it, he wanted to extinguish that man on that day. And he saw an opportunity. It didn't have to happen that way. Yeah. So, you know, rest in peace, Nip. Well, Castro, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you. I'm um, a little infamous, so most people don't invite me. What? I'm, a, I'm a little infamous, so most people don't invite me. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll just wait. <laughs> so, uh, how old's Tosh now? A couple of months? Uh, oh, I didn't even think about that. Wait, let's see. November? No, that was November. Um, December, December, January. Yeah, like three, four months. We're only in April, right? I, I lose yes, sight of time. April, it's still April. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, lose, I do lose sight of time. It's just a bad habit. I'm about four months old now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, doing well. From what, you know, for all I can tell, people still talking about it banging it um still getting you know looks off of it i did a podcast with a cat in japan and um well it turned it was he was uh, recording and then he transcribed a really good piece um this black cat that moved out there so you know um i couldn't be happier it was a long time coming as most albums are mm-hmm. but um this one was like you know you're working on it while you're also working on other things and um there was definitely um a halt and um, proceedings with the record mm-hmm. for like a, you know like a good year or two, which helped because when you revisit things, they yeah. um, they enlighten certain things and yeah. make some more adjustments. Mm-hmm. And then um, you know the true catalyst was like getting with my people's backwoods studios and then putting the record out and just being with like-minded artists so I can get like you know a little sprinkle of their crowd to peek out of the blind and say oh, oh y'all, y'all co-signing cash flow let me check it out mm-hmm. and all that good stuff. So you know I'm just I'm just happy it came out. Did really good visual work for it. That was the most mm-hmm. visuals I've ever done for a project. So mm-hmm. proud of that. And a shout out to uh, Pat Murray and um, Bob Sweeney. Um, so I'm just, you know, just happy with the record all together. And then um, I have physicals coming out later okay. in, in the year. I'm doing some final nice. for the record. Uh, I think um, Buena Ventura Records. Uh, this cat, Alan Zurich, partnered mm-hmm. with me to um, press up the record. So that's, that'll be coming out of pipe. I haven't had a vinyl. I've been on vinyl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't had my own vinyl ish, like ever, so oh, damn. A, lot of, a lot of firsts. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. I'm just I'm I'm trying to you know, you don't want to talk about it and spoil it, but like things are already in motion. I've seen mm-hmm. certain things, but yeah. I just want to get a physical copy in my hand and show my mother. <laughs> yeah. All of these years word. weren't worth nothing. <laughs> yeah, word, word, yeah. 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 Are you gonna be doing some touring to support the album? Um, I will be touring later this year, but that'll be based off another record. Okay. But while I'm out there for the other record, I'll have, you know, Tosh physicals and 
Okay. Little things like that. I was thinking about doing a tape, but um, since I moved into other phases, um, yeah, I might do that on the back end. See how to, you know, just see what the need is. And these yeah. days, I can, I'm good. I'm in a position I can afford to like test the market a bit, um, see if something hits, and then go forward with like a bigger order or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's that's pretty good. Um, doing that, like you know, another plug. We have shirts. Make the order. <laughs> All right, that's that's our Plug business. away, shit. You pick Hustle. the shirt, you pick the logo, and we we make it and ship it out right. Too. That's dope. That's our business model. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah so what um I'll be touring and moving. Okay. Um and all the, um, hopefully I have all of my stuff with me when I hit the road. I'm a big fan of cassettes, so. Yeah, it's funny because tapes had a nice spike, but then yeah. we're seeing through a little market research that it's kind of dwindling a bit. And now, for some reason, I couldn't mm. even tell you that CDs are making a resurgence. Mm, I've uh, seen that, yeah. I don't know if it's people just looking at the center console in their car and be like, hey, you know, I got a CD player there. <laughs> um, but CDs are making a resurgence. But, I mean, it's good to have, I would guess, I think you should have multiple mediums. I, we've been talking about this recently, me and my mm-hmm. crew, um, Wrecking Crew, just having inventory. Um, I, f- I follow a lot of black millionaires on Instagram. Yeah. I try to glean some of the things. and. One of them, they told me, they say, selling out looks good, but it's horrible. Because once you sell out, you can't make any money. Right, right. yeah. And so, like, I started thinking about that. I said, all right, I'm definitely, I've been in this game a long time, so I have suffered, like, I um, mean, what we were talking about earlier, about having the boxes of CDs in the garage. Mm-hmm. But if you scale down and you just have inventory, then your, your, um, your potential for profit just stretches off infinitely because any fan can come across at any point and be like hey that second album you made whenever you still have any of those yeah now that has value Def. right it's the value is, bet- is determined between the buy and the market right so if somebody out there wants to buy it i should have it and i can sell it right then i'm making that yeah. money mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if it's minuscule but the point is if i didn't have that inventory that that urge goes up in a puff of smoke yeah what if that person don't want to buy it the next day yeah. so just being ready like that with small and um amounts to have your inventory i think that's always good and a testament to your fans you never know what a fan is going to want so just be prepared mm-hmm. right? to try to supply that demand you know i'm just I'm, yeah as anything i'm a small business that's what it brings down yeah, to yeah and it's um very mom and pop and the relationships i built with one per one person in uh in rhode island <laughs> is going to you know make me 40 dollars that next year off mm-hmm. the two projects so you know it's worth it mm-hmm. Can you talk a bit about the sound on Tosh, like that island, yeah. like reggae sound? Yeah. What was so, the inspiration um, for that? Well, um, I'm originally, uh, um, my family's from Barbados, or a big part of my family's from Barbados. So, you know, I'm Caribbean. Um, so, I, you know, I've been doing hip-hop for a minute, and I've always, like, sprinkled in a little dash of my culture and heritage and my accent, as basic as it can be. And I've always wanted to do a little more of that. Mm-hmm. But you know, you kind of like you're not you're not always sure because it would be a good loop out there for me and what my fan base is used to. And um, Zilla came up with a great idea, um, and it, it was catalyzed for like most of my content um, harkens to from where I'm originally from, Brooklyn, New York. And he said, "You don't talk about your Philly experiences enough." And I've been living in Philly as long as I was living in New York, so it's about even. Mm-hmm. And I said, "That's a good idea." And then that idea transmuted into, "Yo, you should have like." like dusty hip-hop but with a touch of dub if at all possible mm-hmm. with schooly d drums like that mm. was the tagline mm-hmm. so like hip-hop dusty dub with schooly d drums so i sent out pretty much that request um out to different producers um when i make my own, when i make my solo lps it's usually a pastiche of producers 
if it's more a specific project, I will work with one producer, but my like heavy LPs have always been like multiple producers. So I just sent out the assignment and see who bit back. And I got a varying response, which I wanted. I didn't want it to be super dubbed out and like over exploit that um, aspect of it. Yeah. I wanted different interpretations. Yeah. And so I got back a bunch of stuff and then I started, you know, just crafting the record from that. It was it was definitely a different process in the sense of I sent out the stuff, got the beats back, started the songs and did this long demo process in Philadelphia and recorded everything once. Then I went to um, a more high-end studio with my man Willie Green out, Greenhouse Recording out in Brooklyn and then re-recorded everything there. So it was like phases. Usually it's a little more pit and parcel, like work on a couple of songs, get a mixed or whatever, and then move on to the next. But this one was done in all of those different phases. So that was different for me. And it was refreshing. It allowed me to be real brutally honest with myself. And if somebody said, yeah, this song doesn't fit, you know, it, mm -hmm. it got cut. Um, and since I spent so much time with the material, it wasn't that hard a decision. But it's always hard to cut material. You, you, you grow loving with the songs, and you think, oh, when somebody hears this, they're going to think that. And then somebody says, yeah, take that song out you're like oh all of the things that i had machinated about what this song would do to the world and now my friends say take it out but usually they're right so um yeah so that's pretty much how the sound was um was born is it hard to to sort of take that criticism like this is your art this is what you're working on you want the songs on the album mm. and then for somebody to come in that's not been involved with the entire process mm. to say eh this doesn't fit it's um i think it actually makes you the best artist you can be. The mm -hmm. people that, I think all of the successful artists are all based on people that can take criticism because mm -hmm. they want to have good people in the room with sure. you. And so, yes, it's, it, you know, it's painful because mm -hmm. you, you know, like what, what is the classic line? I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and it's true. And like when you're an artist, <laughs> you're self-centered. So you worked hard on it. So you think every word I said on this thing is important and it's going to stay on there. I remember I, I did a project like that. I made this edict. And what's good about my crew is we, um, there's total trust in each other like most of us let the other ones executive produce mm -hmm. so if I ever have to do some arrangement I'll give it to Zilla if I have to think of a um, alright this song is I mean the album's kind of heavy I might need to cut something but I can't make up my mind sure like, he, like what you're alluding to I'll, I'll let Smalls or Prem hear it and just say you know just be brutally honest but since I've allowed that brutal honesty into my creative process my music has gotten better a thousandfold mm -hmm. back in the day you know you thought you shouldn't have stink you know, and I remember also taking a big step with my lyricism. Somebody pulled me to the side. I was rapping maybe like, I'm old in this game. I was rapping like four or five years at that point, maybe three. And um, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking I'm doing my thing. I'm a big Aesop Rock fan. I'm a big LP fan, Company Flow at that time. And at, I say that to say that I'm stuffing every word <laughs> into my rhymes. But I wasn't a quick spitter. I wasn't doing it. Yeah, so I was really trying to find ways to really pack it in. It was more something like... um whack-ass quality like how his style used to be <laughs> his bitch ass he's a bitch i don't give a fuck um oh wow. yeah i'll say that and anything he's a bitch and he could he knows it and he's a bitch and anytime i get an opportunity i say you know bitch quality but anyway um <laughs> there was a time i was trying to emulate his style and stuff a lot of stuff in there and somebody pulled me to the side i didn't mean to make this that long story and they say yo man you know i, I my name wasn't castro back then i think it was um obsidian and I had like a nickname like OBS, and they mm. pulled me to the side. And he was like, Yo, OBS, right? I was like, It was good. He was like, Yeah, you did good. It was some show or something. And we got to talking, and we talked a little longer. The show was good. And he pulled me to the side. He said, like, Yeah, man, I just wanted to talk to you. I said, What's up? He said, Yeah, man, your, your stuff is whack, dog. Like, it's, <gasps> Shit. <laughs> it's, not, it's not what I thought it should be. And he knew me for a little bit. 
And I said, oh, man, y'all don't know, man. Like, everything in me, like, I was I was stunned for a second. He said, whack? Yeah, he said, whack. He said, yo, this, this stuff is whack. He's like, I thought you, you know. He was saying it in the sense that he knew me for a little bit. And he had okay. thought that I would advance a bit from when he last, like, was checking mm-hmm. me. Okay. So he came and checked me, and I'm still, like, at this level. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, he stuff was whack. He was just kind of, I don't know if he was in a rush or something like that. And, oh, I tell you not. I went and revamped everything. Mm. Everything, like the next two weeks, everything. Wow. I started, specifically, I started listening to a good partner of mine, shout out Last Word, and J-Live. And the way they would space mm. their stuff out. And um, I was like, I need more space. So I started like really slowing down and just giving myself time to breathe mm-hmm. and just letting my words live. And it was like, it was the best thing to happen to me. Mm. This cat told me I was whack. Because I probably still would be whack. So yeah, criticism came in early. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. It, it was a good, it was a good fork in my road. Well, then yeah. you have to do something with it, which is admirable. That, yeah. like you were open to that. Yeah, I, I had to take it seriously because he he wasn't missing words. He said, "Yo, man, that stuff was whack," and he wasn't like dissing me like like you were whack. He was just saying like right. it was, it fell short of what his expectations were. Right. Yeah. And right. so I said, "Oh no, nah, ain't nobody ever gonna say I'm whack ever." Yeah. And I made that like my mantra. That was my one commandment that I went to a mountain and chiseled out. No one will ever say I'm whack ever again. Yeah, and they haven't up until this point. You know, still this <laughs> I think I'm doing all right now. Uh-huh. I'd say so. Hmm. I regretted the timing of of having you on because we talked about soul food. Oh. two episodes ago. Definitely did, yeah. And, and y'all know that the Dungeon Family are having a reunion show on April twenty fourth. Yeah. Yes. I'm definitely thinking about going. Yeah. <laughs> I want to take somebody, but they don't even like Dungeon Family, so I'm like, should I go with somebody? <laughs> That doesn't appreciate doesn't the Dungeon appreciate, Family. Yeah. Like, I, when, when Watch for the Hook comes on, are they going to, like, start trying to rip my shirt off? <laughs> if that's not happening, I might just go by myself. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. <laughs> they get in the middle. See me soon. You know. Oh, sorry, but I didn't. Go ahead. Continue. No, no. I mean, the, the reason being is, uh, the reason for my regret is how you start, Tosh, by ah, like, very yeah. clear references mm-hmm. to soul food. So, um, the funny thing about that is, um, and I'll even admit that that wasn't even the first song at first. I wrote it, made it, lined it up, got the great Lorena feature on it with the total point of the song to be outro. I, okay. I made it that way. It's an elusive beat. Shout out to Lucid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty jarring. And I was worried that if it went on for too long, it might lose its, um, its, it might, it might lose its staying power. Like people might get annoyed from the dissonance. Yeah. And I love it. It's, you know, shout out to him again. It's great. But I thought, you know, some beats like that, after a while, people, it started wearing on them. So I was worried about that. I was overthinking. And and this is Zilla. Zilla was like adamantly trying to get me to make this the first song. It, it, early on, because Zilla uh, arranged, helped me arrange the record. Mm-hmm. And um, Zilla Rockefeller, all the listeners that heard him here before. And so I just, I remember the first couple of times I was just against it. I had in my mind, I told him, I said, I, I even said, I said, here's the record. You could do anything you want, but the first song is the first song and the last song is the last song. I don't want you to change it at all. Those two songs. I said, I have a bookend for the record, but you can mess around in the middle. Mm-hmm. And he was listening, and it was funny enough, because he was like, the first song, which is um, uh, Dark Skin Drum, mm-hmm. he's like, I like the way it comes on. He said, but I feel like you should put something in the front of it. And at that time, I was thinking of samples, but ironically enough, the record had moved past the phase that I could add a sample. We were already into the mastering phase, so I yeah. couldn't really add any more sonics without really messing up the whole pyramid of the thing. And he just kept saying, man, you got to switch this up. And I remember being very hard-headed for weeks. I would not, because I was so set on, you know, the intro and my outro. 
And he said, listen to me, I'm telling you. I said, all right, fine. He is my best friend. I was the best man at his wedding. <laughs> I could give him that. And I switched it. And then when I switched it, that's where the Goody Mob stuff hit a little a little deeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, when I started listening to the record, I said, oh, I got a Dungeon Family record. Like, you know? <laughs> um, and it's funny because, and I was just listening to the other day, one thing I really loved about Outkast, and Dungeon Family as a whole, but Outkast specifically is the mastery of their intro tracks mm-hmm. even if they just mm, called it intro yeah. they used to really put a lot into that first track that sometimes they didn't even have them on there mm-hmm. but it was lush orchestration they would have girls singing in mm-hmm. different um languages i just remember like that's a lot for an intro mm-hmm. but sometimes the intro is, could just be a shootout scene or somebody walking to the store sometimes it would be sound effect laden right. but i remember outcast making a point to i'm gonna make this beautiful piece of music to start off the record and you're not even gonna hear our voice mm-hmm. and when i finally finished um emory doug and um, had Lauren on it, and we put it first. I said, "Oh shit, this is a Dungeon Family record." It totally changed the identity of the record. I hope for y'all as listeners, um, it, it it did its point and kind of hit hard. So it lets you know that, yo, you're in for some serious shit. Yeah, yeah. It's a perfect lead-in for a dark screen. Yeah, it is, and, it, and it did turn yeah. into be. Yeah. And so, like, you know, shout to Zilla. I'm hard headed, but I listen sometimes. <laughs> Wrecking Crew. So that got to be a reference to Juice, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you for pulling that out. Yeah. People ask it. There's also a wrecking crew in the comic books, and they're like Cannonball and Absorbing Man and all this other stuff. But somebody did a whole thing on Twitter associating us with that, and we had to be like wrong. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's been it's funny. So it's a direct reference to Juice. If you listen to some of our stuff, there's a lot of uh, Juice metaphors in there, mm-hmm. um, and even some stuff coming out soon. There's a lot of Juice metaphors, and so it goes like. Zilla is Raheem, small professor is um, Steel. It used to be a thing where I would fluctuate between Q and Bishop, depending, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty much um, Bishop. And then um, uh, Prem is uh, Q, because he's the prettiest guy. He's the most, he's the most <laughs> handsome out of all. So if anybody had, would date somebody from Invo, it would be Prem. So all right, all right. Give him that. Yeah, Prem, Prem's a dashing man. Always <laughs> But yeah, so you know, and just that that spirit, um, more so the early part of the movie spirit, just the, the camaraderie yes. of the, you know the kids just go getting along and schemes and just having each other's back. Yeah. And um, the thing, the, the coolest thing about Wrecking Crew is like we're friends. We just mm-hmm. happen to yeah. work on each other's music. Like yeah. that definitely comes secondary, and um, and that helps. I've been in crews, cliques, clans, and conglomerates, and a lot of things get in the way. It's, yeah. And just to tell you the truth, it's hard working with other men. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of things get in the way, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes you have to smooth that out. So the fact that we were friends and we developed our friendships aside from working on music together and separate, yeah. um, with Wrecking Crew, it's very important for all of us to have burgeoning solo careers. They can stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Nobody's leaning on anybody else because it just makes us stronger mm-hmm. when we come together and um, help each other out. Yep. Yeah. So Wrecking Crew, God, even on my worst day, is what I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I heard you say you're old in the game. Yeah. How long you been doing this? Um, I've been rapping since 96, 97. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I put out my first like professional project in 2004, but when I was in college, I had a little burgeoning group. Mm-hmm. Funny story about that. Uh, we had a very impatient member who, um, <laughs> uh, the one thing I always remember about my first, first project in college, it like, it was 97 or whatever. I can't remember the time, but we never really recorded any verse. And I, I do so much editing now, and I'll do demos, but I remember back then we were so hype off writing and finding a place to record if somebody's bathtub. 
And um, <laughs> we never like, yo, let me do that verse again. If you got a good takeout, yeah, that, that went. Was, that was it. So yeah. I told you. So I'm telling you about the impatience. So we had one member, and um, it was at school, so I had to leave. So I was in New York, and we couldn't really finish it until I kind of came back. So I was trying to make trips. So he was his impatience led him to take off a bunch of solo songs that we had. Like we were a group, it was like four of us, and everybody did one solo song. He took off all of the other solo songs. He put his own solo songs on it. Mm. He went somewhere. He pressed the CD up. I think with like just the disc, disc tower. He went to Kinko's and pressed up some covers. <laughs> he made a whole bunch of clear glass cases and he went. He put a boombox over his shoulder. This is when we still had those boom. Y'all remember those big tubular ones? It was oh, like a yeah. cylinder. Yeah, it was yeah. like the last vestiges yeah. of boomboxes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Horrible strap. You used to really fuck up your shoulder. <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't test that well in R and D at all. And um he started selling the C D. It was a group I had called Nemesis, and he was selling his own version of the CD. His name was Showtime, and it was like the Showtime edition. And I remember a big sobering moment was one day I was walking on campus, kind of destroyed because the group kind of broke up because of all of that nonsense. And we were in college, so what group stays together, right? Yeah. But I was walking on campus, and I literally stepped on one of my CDs. And I think, I don't remember, but I think I, I you don't know which CD it was, but earlier in that week, I had given somebody a CD, yo, check mm -hmm. it out, man. He was like, all right, I'll check you out. I didn't even know you rap, homie. And later on that week, I'm literally stepping on a CD that somebody maybe just tossed over the show like a flyer. Yeah. And that was also a moment like, yo, I got to get better. No, but that was also a moment like, <laughs> I got to get better rap friends. Like, that was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I started changing my rap circles. Like, I got to get better rap friends. But like, <laughs> let me graduate from college first, and then I'll, I'll see what that's like. Because, you know, yeah. rap would always lead you to, I remember we was opening for Brand New, being the same group. I was like, man, I'm quitting this college shit, man. Look, man, Brand New is in the next dressing room, man. We could do this. We just got to make it a Jack the Rapper. Whatever. <laughs> I had to go to class the next day. <laughs> but, yeah, so I've been doing it for a minute. Um, different incarnations. I've been through big, big crews. I had a big, um, uh, like a big, uh, I guess, rap support groups, like 12 yeah. of us in there. Okay. Um, and we basically got together. We were all different groups and solo artists because we were um, a support group. So, like. Somebody had good access to t-shirts and printing. Somebody had good access to graphic design. We developed this whole like music making factory at my house. I used to press CDs and I used to design people's uh, covers and we just burn them all up. I'd stay up all night burning CDs. Yeah, I've been at all levels of this shit. Mm -hmm. um, I was around for the big downloading culture when you was trying to zip shares and all that other, mm -hmm. like putting your stuff up on a yeah. download site. Yeah. And I remember me and Zilla would go back like every week Yo, how many downloads you got? <laughs> Not making a lick of money, right? Not a damn red no, cent, but just, just, yo, we got to 10,000, you know, and then you would try to translate that into booking shows and all that yeah. stuff. So I've I just, I just been around, so now I kept my eyes open. What inspired you to be an MC? Oh, oh, that's a good story. Um, great question. Because um, I don't have the typical answer. So I used to write poetry, and I was pretty much a good writer. I write mm -hmm. stories and stuff. My mom always encouraged that. But I wanted to get into rap, not to MC. I wanted to be a hype man. I wanted to be Spliff Star. I wanted to be mm. Flavor Flav. I wanted to be <laughs> yeah. Freaky Ty. The A. Mark Olin, the way Bismarck, you would come on and the way mm. you would see, uh, you would learn later how uh, Dougie Fresh was hyping Slick and that, yeah. those type of moves. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that guy's talented. You know what I'm saying? And I remember like Flavor Flav would get his song here and there. Mm -hmm. But the way he would accentuate Chuck's cadence, yeah. there was nothing else like that. And it wasn't yeah. one artist that could do that type of double thing, mm -hmm. but that group did. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was all about that. And then when Split Star came on the scene, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. you know, Freaky Todd. You know, so mm -hmm. I was like, yo, um, so I guess like when I started rapping 95, 96, no, I came to school in 95, so 96, 97, I was like, yo, let me just be the hype man. 
I have a lot of energy, and I did. Mm-hmm. I was a very hyper after kid. I said, let me just get up there. I'll learn your raps. I'll do the overdub. I was all about yeah. that part. And I said, I'll be the one. You could just rap stoic. You want Jay-Z it, stay still, and I'll do the, you know, jumping around. And I still kind of <laughs> did that throughout my whole career. But um, that was my goal. And so I kept, but I kept writing. And, you know, you get the bug. You're around your friends. They're all sitting down writing. You're writing. And eventually I started uh putting the, together full raps and I was like yo I, I think I want to rap in the group too mm-hmm. and it was like alright cool because there was another cat that was like my, my, my good friend at the time he was a novice at it too like we didn't we went to high school together but we weren't like we didn't have studio access or anything like that so we weren't like with the rapping kids in high school we were the basketball kids in high school so when we went to college we, we tried out this other thing and it was like alright cool let's come up with a name and all that stuff and that was this group that we bootlegged ourselves you know so and then eventually I started writing better than everybody else and so I was like, okay, let me keep up with this. Yeah. You know, I'm in school, I'm, you know, whatever. I'm trying to be a professional like my mom would like me to, but I'm learning that this is like, this is the best thing I do. And not shorten myself, but like writing raps, that's the best thing I do. I mm. really yeah. worked hard on that shit. So, yeah. And I just kept it up since then. So I think that's like 20 years. That's more than 20. 30 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, man. 20, 20, 20, 20, it's 20, 20. Not quite 30. 20, it's about 20. Mm-hmm. How old am I now? Yeah, it's about 20. I ain't gonna say how old. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's double decade. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. Somebody should throw me a party. Shit. Yeah, I yeah. hope Steve's listening. So you have um, a lot of influence. I've, I've saw that you've just been reading about you, that you obviously were influenced by Public Enemy and mm-hmm. all the greats of that era. Um, another big influence is Mr. Liff. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was, so you said earlier, love Aesop, right? Yeah, I did. Um, and and you've but you've actually worked with a number of like deaf jokes. Like yeah, a, it's a funny because it's like as you go into the in this business and you start making better relationships. Because it, I tell Zilla this all the time. It was, it was always about the company we kept. Um, quiet is kept because like the when we would improve our MC friends, our music would improve. Yeah. And then also our quality improved because we had to step up. Like, I work with Billy Woods now. Mm-hmm. And you can't, there's no shorts mm-hmm. with him. You, and you get on a song with a Lucid, there's no shorts with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and even Zilla, like, I can't I can't mail it in when Zilla's, you know, rapping while he's uh, in between. Like, Zilla works, <laughs> he works at like six in the morning at 15 minute intervals before his child and his wife wake up. <laughs> like, that's a mastery. Like, and, and I'm, I'm listening to his stuff and I'm sitting hours in the studio. I'm like, dang, Zilla's a fish. He's doing, you know, so <laughs> point being is like, so yeah, so it was the company we kept. And mm-hmm. so like, slowly but surely, the, the six degrees of separation, everybody knows that Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. it starts getting smaller and smaller. And like, I remember me and Zilla had this uh, big quest to like, we're going to get close to Aesop Rock. We might never work with him. We might, but we're gonna find. We're gonna try to get as close as possible. Yeah. And um, I think what? How close am I? I'm on a record that has beats of his that he produced, and he's featured on the record. And I'm on the record too. So to okay, me, that's that's, like, that's pretty close. That's close. That's you have, there's a blockhead track on Tosh, right? There's yeah. Oh, so um, yeah. There's um, actually two. Two. So okay. he did um, I Tell You Can Eat. It features um, features Billy Woods, um, and it was funny because. Um, like I said, I, I sent out the call for the beats, and you know the community kind of yeah. um, started listening and hearing that I, that's what um, I was doing. And so um, Woods hit me up like, "Yeah, um, Blockhead sent me some beats. Um, I can't really use this one. Does this fit what you want?" And he just sent it to me. And he's like, "I'll ask. I'll, I'll check in if, you, if if it's cool with Blockhead." And it was like perfect, shape. And yeah. um, the funny thing is, Blueprint did the same thing. 
Blueprint just hit me up in the DM one day. Yeah, so you looking for some dub stuff, right? He's like, I, I was digging through some tracks. Here, take this one. And that was perfect. Yeah. So it's just it's just funny how that happens. Um, like the people you end up working with. Um, if they just dig your energy or they just dig what you're doing, they might just reach out to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, yeah, and then, like I was saying, the company you keep. And also what ended up happening was me and Zilla and all my people, they started paying for stuff. Pay for stuff. Pay your friends. That's a big thing in this business. Pay your friends. They, mm-hmm. they do work. This worth yeah. money. And once you start doing that and people don't, you know, not thinking you're a slouch, they want to get in business with you. Right. Maybe they'll be able to make payment arrangements. You make payment arrangements for everything else. You mm-hmm. pay your bills that way. If you want to make a big purchase, you want to get a motif six, you put it on layaway for a bit and you come back the next month. So point is pay your friends. You'll be surprised. And then other people might reach out to you once they know that you're in business. Right. When people know that you're looking out for handouts and, and cutting corners, they'll leave you where you stand. Mm-hmm. And when people know that you take what they do seriously, they'll take what you do seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the best way to do it. So what's the closest you got to Lyft? Um, I actually met Lyft. Okay. Um, that's pretty and I, close. And I met Lyft on some <laughs> non-music. Well, semi-music. So, all right. So my first thing with Lyft is a funny story. I was on the 34 trolley, which is not too far from where this podcast is being recorded. Mm-hmm. And I saw somebody from the back look just like him. Hair was doing something similar. And I should know I'm such a Lyft stand. But it wasn't him. But it, I, I thought it was him and I was having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and my friend said, you got to go talk to him. I said, how can I talk to him? I'm, to live. I'm not going to bother him. We don't know what he's here for. This could be official business. And my friend, he's bold. He's Jamaican. He was like, yo, man, you have to go talk to me. I have to speak to the man. And I was like, no. And I was in the back. I'm sitting in the back of the trolley, like rocking back and forth. <laughs> Eventually, the trolley makes a, a turn. And he gets up and he turns sideways. And I see his profile. I'm like, thank the most high. Because it wasn't him. <laughs> and I was off the hook. So I didn't have to speak to him. So then years later, um, one of my best friends, she was involved... Um, with another friend of mine, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just throwing out friends, and they were managing artists, and Lyft had come to town when he mm. moved here, and he was looking for management. So we met Lyft, oh my God, we met Lyft, where were we at? Northern Liberties, in some field, he was walking his dog, just talking, <laughs> like, talking like preliminaries about this deal or whatever. Right. Um, and they didn't get to too much business, but it was like a meeting to set up another meeting. Yeah. And my friend yeah. said, she says, I know how you are, just come with me, Yeah. we're going to meet Lyft. I'm like, what do you mean we're gonna meet Lyft? I'm not dressed. I don't have any of his merch. Like I'm tripping out, right? Yeah, and he no, said, she yeah. said, just come on, like. And she told me the deal of what they were doing, so I, I knew they kind of play low key because they were pretty much both of them were pitching each other to themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so you know how that goes. So we just met, and I get to talking to him a little bit. I didn't fanboy out, but I did tell him like some of the stuff that I thought was like amazing. I can't remember yeah, exactly yeah. what I said, but I just mentioned a couple of songs just so, just yeah. to let him know that so how refined is. a fan right. I was. Yeah. You know, when you did this, it was like, oh, you listen to that? You know, you want to yeah. get that acknowledgement. Yeah. And then, um, but I never worked with him. Um, okay. I don't, at least I don't think so. Like sometimes you'll get on a song and then they'll throw somebody else on a song a little later. Um, but I never worked with him. And I tried, um, I did a project with Fax One. Right. Yeah. And um, I'm a huge fan of The Perceptionist. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of how I got into Fax. So when he, he produced for them, so one day, the fax thing is, is fascinating. I just hit him up. Just the internet magic. And yeah. I said, you know what? Yo, what's up? You know, I'm da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, you ex- I've done it a, not too many, but I've done it a number of times. I hit up mm-hmm. Rob Sonic one time. He hit me back, but I didn't get the beat I wanted. Yeah. And fax hit me back, and we just, we did a little demo thing. Like, we do, we test each other out. So yeah. we did, like, two cuts. And one cuts came out real good, and the other one came out even better. And we did a whole project. So when we were doing a project... I naturally asked him, I said, you think you lift or something? He said, yeah, said, I'll try. Yeah. We sent him out a beat. There was really no response. Not like he dissed it, but he just didn't get to it. Yeah. So then we just kept moving with the project. So that was the close, as close as I've come to working with 
Godfather Lift. <laughs> and like, I mean, Lift, like, to be a fan of him, and I know we're about to get into it, we're going to talk about this record, but like, he was like hair goals for me. Hmm. Like he, yeah. uh, his free form locks, his first set. I, I don't knock his new setup. You know, I'm glad he's, he's back on, back on the team. But um, <laughs> he had these, these free form locks that I know the way they grow, I know it took him a while to fall. And anybody that grows their hair right. knows mm-hmm. what I mean. So like your hair will grow up. For a second, yeah. like a tree, right. yep. and then it'll reach an apex and it'll just fall. There's weight to it, and also just natural gravity and growth. Yeah. And when his fell, you were like, "Whoa!" Yeah, like four. You know what I'm saying? And like this power with having a minimal amount of locks. Um, <laughs> it's a whole style down south now. They call them wicks. If you yeah. um, ever look at Kodak Black, he has like the starters, mm-hmm. so it's like big parts and these big tubes of locks. Yeah. And I remember Liv having these locks, and you watch him perform, the locks are vibrating, his hand is vibrating. I was like, man, you can't get no better than this guy. What are you, what are you kidding me? Like, I just wanted to be him so bad. He wore glasses. I wear glasses. <laughs> I, I didn't wear them to the pod. But like, everything about this cat, you know what I mean? It, the weird thing about me and Liv, I just admired him so much, then I found out, oh, you're not from New York? Mm. Okay, yeah. you know what I mean. Like, all right, yeah, you know, you're not a fellow countryman, but it's cool. Boston ain't too bad. Yeah. But yeah, I just, um, just hearing his first of emergency rations, just mm. enter the classes from then on. It's just like it was just on and popping with me and Liv. Mm-hmm. I was gonna ask you about your lock journey because um, when Liv cut his hair, like, oh, that hurt my heart. I know, oh, I, I know, so hurt. Cause you know, it's there's no uh, there's no easy way to show people that you've cut your hair and especially yeah. if they're fans of yours. But I'll continue with the question if I question. But um he just described the power mm-hmm. in the locks. I mm-hmm. mean it's a journey. Mm-hmm. Like it's a journey you you watch them grow and you have to nurture them. Um so I just like I was curious about yours and how long it took you how uh, long this journey has been for you. Um I've been growing my hair for well I've been growing my locks for nineteen years. And the main thing I always tell people is the one um, commitment I've kept for myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, you go through, you, know, you grow up and you, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this yeah. diet, I'm going to save this money. But I can honestly say that I've committed myself to growing my hair. And yeah. people ask me, you know, the, the typical queries, um, so how long are you going to grow your hair for? And I, that question always confuses me because I don't know what you mean. I made a decision to grow my hair, so I don't. Yeah. I, then I tell you know I try not to be too macabre. Zilla will laugh when he hears that because I use that word sometimes. <laughs> and I say like when I'm finished with the planet, like that was the right. whole point mm-hmm. me growing my yeah. hair. So when you ask me like how long it gets me, I, I know what they mean, but I do yeah. want I want to act perplexed because I want them to understand that I don't understand the basis of your question. Right. Just yeah. to let you know how strong my commitment is. Yeah. And also growing my hair this long. Um, and I have some other like hair brothers, like my man Ross Sungai. We've been growing our hair the same amount of time. But we watch people get um, into the fad and out of the fad, mm. and that also shows you that you have a little bit more commitment than most people. Because yeah. I watch people grow and they're all about it. Then they change their whole life. They cut their hair and then their life is different. Yeah. Then they say, "Oh, I'm a." I know some that have regrown sets and they're admirable. But I love the ones that always say like, "Oh, I'm gonna grow my hair back one day." Yeah. <laughs> and they never do. One day. Never yeah. do. So. Um, but it's cool. Um, it's unique. You know, you have to move a certain way. I definitely have to swing my hair out of yeah. ways. And as mm-hmm. you can sure. imagine, I'm always tired of conscious of it. Um, the whole, can I touch it? No. No, you can't touch it. <laughs> no. I used to be a little bit more um, ritualistic with it. Like when I would meet you, like back in the day, my first time coming here, my hair mm. would have been wrapped. Okay. I wouldn't have it out because yes. I don't know y'all energy yet. But I met Bobby before, so yeah. it's cool. But I also, did, like, I did not ask to touch your hair. No, no, he did not ask to touch my hair. But, like, just also, just your first encounter. I used yeah. to work with kids a lot. 
Okay. Um, mm. So that was mm-hmm. it, it was pretty important yeah. to keep it wrapped. One to to stop the litany of questions. I used to work with kids with, they had the focusing issues and stuff sure, like that. Yeah. So yeah. them being distracted by my head was the last thing I wanted to yeah. do. I need you to focus on your work, Billy. Look in that direction. So don't look <laughs> yeah. at your uh, you know your work back here. So yeah, um, and I've just been through it all. But it's good to see people try it out, give it up, maybe come back. But mm-hmm. it, it reinforces that you know you made a decent decision, and 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 to me, and I'm not a a hair sis, I used to be, but like most hairstyles, I imitate mine, and, you know, braids, whatever, <laughs> two yeah. extensions, whatever you want to call them, they like yeah. all a facsimile of ours, and mm-hmm. so it's funny when people ask, well, how do you do that, and it's so permanent, and I look at them, I'm like, you're doing a version of what I'm doing, you just, basically right, you just haven't jumped into the deep end of the pool, yeah. That's um, a lot of people ask me about growing their hair and stuff, and like I said, the main thing they say is. But I like to do a lot of things with my hair. And I don't understand that either. And I'm like, if you go through the journey proper, you're going to be able to do a million things with your hair. You wouldn't right. even so imagine. But there is a journey before that. It is. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now you have full locks. You have cheats. I, I, I don't even know what to say anymore because I can't say I don't like it anymore because it's so ingrained. It's hair culture. So I see people get re-extensions. So it's that yeah. cheating. I don't know if you kept your locks and you kept them up. Yeah. You can put them back. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And then like people will try to full locks just to grow out the awkward phase. I think the awkward phase is such a character building moment. Mm-hmm. It um, is. The awkward phase is that. your hair not being long enough to kind of style it up, but not being short enough to be cute anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's like you're kind of in between and you might swamp your shoulders sometimes. But yeah. like I said, YouTube is a magical world. Just look on there. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, you know, find yeah. something. But I remember the day. I remember we had a, a show. Um, the day I was able to pull it up in the two ponytails. And I remember I performed my ass off for that show. I was happy. It was like a whole new look for me. I like pulled my hair back. <laughs> I was just beaming with pride. But yeah, um, hair is an interesting journey. Uh, I commend. Yeah. I would advise anybody to do it. Bobby, welcome to you know get on the bus. Oh, thanks. You know, thanks. come along. Um, you'll 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 have a great time. I tell anybody <laughs> um, if you treat your hair really well and you take care of it, your hair will take care of you. Yeah. And that's the truth. Yeah, I feel that. I thought about growing out my hair. Yeah, man. But then I thought about that in between phase thing. Yeah, you, you know, I was like, it's, I'm, not, I'm not willing. It's a to, I'm not willing to do that's that. That's why people can't thing. commit. It's a thing. It's a thing. And then they also, you know, where you work, is are they cool? Would you wrap your hair for a little bit, wearing hats True. and things of that nature right. while you go yeah. through that? So you know, I know there's a whole corporate aspect of it. Yeah. But I do know that we're in 2019. I can get any job I want. And mm-hmm. maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when I was just like four years in, that wasn't the case. Right. True. Okay, so I fan. Uh, 
I'm like a Oh, it's such a good record. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I mean, um, so I found them when that hit. I was a, I was already a Def Jerky, and they only had like two records out. But I was all aboard. I was, um, I was Company Float out. Um, I got into Company Flow in college, and then I just kept it rolling. What, so, what was it about Def Jerky that like, that? Um, Def Jerks was a, a self affirmation. The way they rap made it so the way I rap made sense. Okay. Mm. So the way that I chose to rap, I was listening to these guys. I was like, yo, they're doing it. And they found a way to sell records. So I don't mm -hmm. need to abandon this style and take on anybody else's yeah. style. My thing could work if I stick to it. And I remember that being a big thing. And like the whole independent as fuck movement, the whole um, the anti-record label establishment of it, even though they were operating out of Indies and they had distribution deals, this is very different. Like right. It was a big step to kind of step off. We've seen imprints fold and you know yeah um people do their own thing but pretty much their own thing like too short that was his own thing like right. he really wasn't putting out artists but right. you know that's what you do you so take care of yourself so when he got popping he made his imprint his llc and kept it rocking so with dev jokes i was just looking at the artists the like-minded artists they would pick so when you pick cannibal locks then you also pick c rays and you have aesop and you're starting to see the writing on the wall and you work a lot with slug and and you get somebody like lift yeah. And so for Lip to be their flagship artist, you know, they were kind of touting him out first, um, like Emergency Rations and other little EPs. Mm -hmm. And then they were that big, I think I Phantom was the big first big Def Jux release. So you yeah. got to imagine all the stuff that was banking on that. Um, it was a good time to hear LP produce with somebody else. If you, mm -hmm. if you were starting to dig LP beats and you only heard like Company Flow or maybe some of that solo stuff they were kicking off, it was good to hear like Lip over a lot of LP production. Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was, it was a monumental record for me. Just I think LP is underrated as a producer. Even still, I think these days because he does the run the jewel stuff, I feel like some people aren't getting the full scope of his talents. I agree yes. with that. And yeah. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you know it's good to get those fans, but like to really know what this cat can do, like yeah, you know the high water. Uh, 45 I have that the 7 inch like him doing jazz and yeah. scoring movies bombing yeah. system I have mm -hmm. that like you know so I just I just again they were a group of cats that validated my form of expression mm -hmm. so like I had yeah. to get with them it was like no choice almost Zilla tell you the same thing mm -hmm. I suspect a lot of people would yeah and that's also how me and Zilla really got deep into it we, we met way later you know after all our Def Jokes fandom had coalesced and I think even when me and Zilla met Def Jokes was on his way out but we, we, we sat down for many hours talking about how we liked all of the old stuff or who we got mm -hmm. into first and we realized we were A-likes Def Jokes helped bring record crew together for sure <laughs> for sure so why this Mr. Love album to me it was like so like we said this is the flagship for the Def Jokes um, label and it's a concept record and I love concept records because they're really hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to string, because it's hard to pull off without being corny. So either you str right. you string a yeah. point, you string a bar, disparate songs that kind of sound similar, which I Phantom curiously is. Like a lot of the songs don't really fit together, but they put little things in between the skits, mm -hmm. a lot of mm -hmm. a lot of connective tissue, and that's what made it work. And I would listen to it front to back, and I was like, yo, I could listen to it front to back. And I was very much a skipper. I'm a skipper when I listen. I yeah. skip around. I try to listen in linear. When I first hit it, but I'm skipping all the way through. Mm -hmm. right. Then I'll listen to it fully a couple of times, like straight. Then I'll get into my shuffle thing. Yeah. And some records I like listening to shuffle more than others. 
I fans of I like listening to from the beginning to the end. Okay. Um, there were certain things like the whole thing about the father with the new family. I've been through something like that mm-hmm. with my dad and our estrangement back way back in the day. So I was relating to that. Um, anything with little splashes of Aesop. I didn't know how important that was, but that's great when you have a little splash of Aesop. He just does a hook and he's out. Like, that's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, and, and it, you know, the, the imagery of the record, the iconography of like the man and the board game part of it and that big fold out, mm-hmm. all of that had a great impact on yeah. me. Um, and I just thought it was very well executed. And so like, you used to major label, I'm a Nas fan, I'm a Wu-Tang fan. Mm-hmm. And you know, they were major label out, but then to see this indie put forth this great effort, packaging looked great. Like the, the fact they had a fold out, I was like, all right, good. They're, they're, they're starting off with a good foot, they're, they're on their way. I was a Dev Jux fan when they were a one sheet online with orange piping around the, the, the <laughs> different brackets. They, they didn't have anything, there was no page to turn. And they said, I Phantom in the top right, coming soon. Um, along with the Cannibal Ox promo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was I waited for it. And, you know, anytime you really anticipate a record, you don't know much about it, and then it hits, and it, like, hits your expectations. There's nothing like that better in hip-hop when you, you're waiting for a record, and it actually reaches the expectations you had for it. Mm-hmm. No better feeling. I think um, there's a lot that's special about High Phantom. Like, it, de- it definitely works front to back. Mm-hmm. But unlike a lot of other concept projects, like, you could... Pick, pick something out of yes. the middle and it stands alone. Yes. Yeah. Like um also the um what's the song? I'm I'm a, I'm a blank on titles, but the one he did about working and like live, I'm a, live from the plantation. Yeah, mm, I'm a working rapper. Yes. Right. And so I'm watching him with the tie and stuff. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And at that point, my job didn't require me to, to be on suited and booted. My job now does, but back then I was you know I could drink kind of casual. I was working with kids and was outdoors a lot, but I remember that feeling like. Oh, out of here how long is this shift I remember slipping out I don't care I don't work for these people I remember slipping out at 1 o'clock yo just come for me I gotta get out of here I'm going to a studio going to a show anything just not to be there so that that song and that video was like monument that was was poignant it was like so on point for like working artists which wasn't represented like most people thought you were just either a millionaire rapper or or a struggling rapper but nobody really would try to weave in like hey I gotta go to work too and not verbalizing and put it in lyrics and put right. it in video. No, right. you know, you might mention it, yeah. but you um, wouldn't visualize it. It would seem corny that you work in the office, but you're a rapper. But um, Lyft made it cool, for sure. That's the song I, th- I can't imagine. Like, I think everyone can relate to that song in some way. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not a working rapper. Never have been. Probably, right. probably never will be. No, but, but if you have a passion but if, and. Like, maybe you can't afford to do that passion full-time. But even if, I mean, anyone who's ever worked a shitty job, which well, is that everybody. Too, yeah. Yeah. Can relate to that. And, like, I'm just thinking of, like, having to, going to a shitty job, not getting paid enough, and then not being able to do what you truly want to do. Right. Rise and shine, yet another day to toss away. What does my clock display? It says eight. Shit, I'm late for work again, so then I dip with my pad and my pen. Step into the workplace with my work face. Wince at my time card, cause I'm scarred. Mad cause I 
sacrifice my day and it gets me a trifling hourly wage of 650 now i'm off to slave quarters with a whole bunch of other people's sons and daughters working so they can be mothers and fathers laboring real hard hoping the boss offers more petty cash to us bums and paupers kissing his ass cause they're hoping they prosper here's the math you work a 30 a day away the government takes a 30 a check correct you go home and drink cause you don't get an ounce of respect and your spirit is wrecked life is a gift to be enjoyed every second every minute it's temporary not infinite yet i find myself looking at the clock hoping for the day to fly by so i ask myself why i'm doing this remedial work for second graders i'm an educator with mega flavor so maybe i should just jump up and get ill maybe i should let these people know they're being killed maybe i should try my very best to chill and get paid cause i gotta pay bills <laughs> Wake up and negotiate with yourself in the morning about should you go, should you quit. Yeah. This might be the day. Or just that pit stomach feeling. You ever had a job where you walk in and makes you like physically sick? Yeah. Like psychosomatic than a motherfucker. Like I was like, yo, that is the worst. Place is making me sick and I just had to leave. So yeah. Live from the PlayStation. (laughs) Remember he had the fever dream where he beats his boss up. Yeah. Lunchtime. And um and uh that song is a great example of the care they took to produce that record there's a lot of little moments in that record mm-hmm. that song in particular beat changes and stuff and it went perfectly with the video so maybe they had the video in mind when they made this song yeah because it looks like it's like fits like a glove that was like so when i'm listening to the record that was really one of the choices that first stood out mm-hmm. single or not and i was just like okay mm-hmm. okay we're, we're doing well so far yeah there's a lot i think there's just a lot to relate to like as an american no he, he definitely touches on, on that on that record yep yep it's not like anti-capitalist, but it's just showing ground, you know, ground level. Mm-hmm. Um, our experiences. I was reading about how he, he like regretted not making a film, oh, like a companion to go along to, to the album. That's a new practice where people are like committing to it these yeah. days. So like, I, I, you'll mm-hmm. you'll come across things these days creative. You're like, dang, I wish I, a couple of years I'm, back, yeah. that I just went. And I bet you. He had um, plans to do it because, um, coincidentally enough, if you, um, you know, the Prince Amongst These record, yeah, they would they the record label Tommy Boy, they had promised <laughs> to do a full length. So when they shot that snippet that turned into that video, those are clips that was just to pitch the record to other oh. people, like a okay. press kit type thing. Yeah, yeah. and they, they was promised to expand all of that out a little right. bit more. Um, but it looks like a trailer, you know, which is right. great, but. Mm-hmm. Prince uh, Paul said that they actually planned to do like a full-on, like maybe like a 40-minute piece. And at first, I think maybe that was like the original idea to have like that accompaniment with Prince Amongst Thieves. Mm-hmm. So like, I could definitely see Liv saying, especially with the way Live from the Plantation turned out and how um, cinematic the record is. Right. It's, it's very thematic. Yeah. There's characters yeah. in it. Um, like when you do the fold-out in the CD, there's like a whole rubric, right. I think, in there. Um, some of the toy pieces represent like real-life things. So... Um, definitely could have been I mean how many videos did he do for that record just that one I think it's just that one and back to independent if you get one off you just go with it yeah <laughs> and then with them they were they were operating at a professional level they probably paid probably like five ten grand mm-hmm. all told there's, there's uh, actors in the in the video not in the remembrance so they mm-hmm. probably had to pay a little penny for that yeah and so you get that off and I guess is that the central tenant of the record or just one of the signify I don't think that's a central tenant but like it's a good representation but so I, all, the record seems to be about like all these ways you can lose your identity. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just easily. 
Does anybody have any idea why he called it iPhantom? I don't. I don't have an answer. I just, no idea. I mean, I cheated. I mean, I read a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, let's go. <laughs> I don't care. Let's go. But I think it's the phantom aspect has to do with that. Just okay. that, like, lo- lo- ways that you can just completely, like, lose who you are in, in your job or in the pursuit of money. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting, like, when you were talking about his hair, like, uh, the thought that I had was, this is one way... It's like always make sure there's a part of your identity that cannot be taken from you. Like yeah, the professional yeah. uh, world w- would want to a lot of Most times definitely. like yeah. take your culture and take your speech. Sure. Like you working for the Yankees, they make you cut your sideburns. Exactly. You know, seriously. <laughs> Steinbrenners don't like fish layers. Great. Shit. Yeah. So yeah, essentially that's what the the I am a phantom or I become a phantom mm-hmm. because. It's, I'm just constantly losing sight and losing grip on who I am. And that's one thing I think he's not actually done, though. Like, just in hearing him talk about what's important to him in terms of hip-hop and his artistry, um, and I'm paraphrasing, but just... I've heard him say, you know, no disrespect to those people like trying to hustle and get money and if that's mm-hmm. why you're in the game that's why you're in the game and he was like but that's not me mm-hmm. he said some little boy's gonna listen to this and he was just like I have to always be conscious of that mm-hmm. and conscious of what I'm putting out Right. and so I think it's easy to get lost in this game and he doesn't and it doesn't seem like that has that has affected him yeah when you it's like when you think about when I think about I Phantom and like what you just said the different, all the different characters that yeah. he created on that record, like yeah. speak to so many different people in, in like every level of capitalistic society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. the guy with the shitty job, mm-hmm. the kid whose dad like never comes home from work. Well, it was um, a little more advanced than that because that's the part I relate to. So pretty much, the dad went and had a whole second family type thing. It's after like, after he lost right. his first one, right, yeah. right, and then when the kids call him that, I love that song because it's not a song. But it's still well produced. It's a great LP beat. And when you when you listen to LP beats that they don't use to rap, sometimes you're like, oh man, I wish somebody yeah, rapped yeah, over that. Yeah, yeah. But that was great, that conversation, him being distracted. Uh-huh. And not just distracted, you hear him talking to his other kids. All right, yeah. I'm coming. Or, yeah. I have to leave you to go do something with my other family. Not that I'm just vaguely busy. Yeah. I'm going to have dinner. Yeah. Oh, we, got, we got dinner on. I'll, I'll call you in a couple of days. Um, that character and the father, yeah. that one really yeah. hit me. That yeah. really hit me pretty, pretty But rough. you, like, this character of the father who like thinks he has to work to be successful right and ends and up neglect his family and, mm-hmm. and then there's family. a kid who's neglected mm-hmm. and then the kid who's like the pressure can't take the pressure and kills herself yeah. mm-hmm. uh, there's just so many ways to connect I think to the record and then the world at the end when you know it, we blow up yeah you know, he goes macro at that point which eventually all of us like will be like oh this is what Liv was talking about right. <laughs> this is what LP was talking about right, right. so yeah um, yeah, there's a lot of characters, a lot of things to grasp in the record. It's a pretty full record, mm-hmm. but it seems it seems slim. It doesn't seem like it's packed, but also like different eras. What are you talking like? Fourteen tracks on there, mm-hmm. um, something and, like that. But it still was in the era of seventeen, eighteen. So I, I commend him for that. Not going too far down the hole, because oh man, I, I love Wu Tang to death. And I swear the last two, three tracks on every record <laughs> were just unnecessary <laughs> black shampoo and, um, yeah. black jesus those songs are just like oh anyway yeah Liff is Liff is good at rapping it um 
it's like I think like it's aged really well too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was listening to it this week and felt like I if I didn't know I would have a hard time like pinpointing exactly when it was made. True, and it's funny because on that. iTunes it got re-released on Mellow Music. So yeah. we scrolled to the bottom just to take a glance at the year. I was like, oh, that's not when it came out. It says like 2015. Yeah, yeah. Just, they just reacquired it or whatever, but it really came out in um, like '02. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, it, it it has turned into a timeless record. It's interesting because. You, when you have other lift releases, there was a little more pomp and circumstance to it, but this one is the more staying of his records. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have issues with Momega. A lot of people just ignore it. I heard it today. Um, I did not love that record. And a lot of people that get into his mellow work, like I feel like they just encounter him for the first time. Right. Or oh, they might be a Laurent fan, you know, because he right. did the project with Laurent. So right. it's it, it's it's but that definitely you can always. Slide this over to somebody who'll check our fans with. Yeah. You want yeah. A, a good clip somewhere. But there's also no, like, like I heard it today. Um, there's no, like, fuck Bush, fuck, fuck Clinton, like, right. which doesn't date the record. Right. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And then also, that was, like, specific to the housing crisis. He had made that record in response to that. Right. And also, like, I think, you know, Mercer around that time was doing, like, Mercer President and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, I still can go back and listen to it. I mean, I, I don't know how people feel, but I'm an Apple Match subscriber, so you know I, I do Apple Music constantly. Mm-hmm. I love Apple Music in the sense that it allows me to dive down my deep rabbit holes. Mm-hmm. So if I'm listening to, I don't know, Slum Village and they sample Tribe, then I go listen to Tribe, then I'm listening to Native Tongues, now I'm finding myself in the Jungle Brothers, then I'll do Houdini, and then maybe I'll go forward to 50 Cent. I just love doing that little trick. Is, it, dive around. is Def Jux on Apple Music? Sparingly, some things are. But that's most of the artists that we were able to reacquire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Cold Vein's on there, right. but none of uh, LP stuff is on there. Right. That's how it is on Spotify. Yeah. I, I I do Spotify. That's yeah. how it is on Spotify too. But also, you know, go SoundCloud, go YouTube. Yeah. You find anything. It's YouTube. out there. Yeah. It's yeah. out there. So if you want to, but I, you know, definitely I like going down those rabbit holes, and I will find myself on a lift kick, and I listen to Perceptionist, and then I'll do more Megan, and I'll make my way to I Phantom, and then mm-hmm. double back around for. Uh, What's the joint he did with Laurent? It has a long name, doesn't it? It has a long Ah, uh, yeah. Yes, it has a long title, like the, the Science of Speed. That's the one with Wyatt Cenac did all the, like, uh, radio yes. announcements. Yes, yes, <laughs> And in fact, I think they did two projects, didn't they? Yes, they did. One is, I looked that up. Liff and, and, and Laurent. So I think there's two. Hmm. Y'all don't think there's two? I don't, I don't know. So I am not versed in deaf jocks. Your roster. Shut your I know. Mouth. I know. It's it's horrible. You have time. Company flow. LP. That about sums it up. There's actually a company oh, no flow. essay smash love. I know. I, you know what? So I just I, I just never. I don't know. Like I just I, I completely missed it. Like I completely okay. missed the boat. And it's funny though, because I know who Mister Lift Lift is. Mm-hmm. In college, there was this magazine that still exists. It's just not in um, publication. It's more solely digital. Um, and so, um, physical publication. And so, they never, ever, it was kind of more of a folksy magazine. I think I talked about it on here before. Um, they never, ever had like, rap in there, ever. Never covered. Never. They had Mr. Liff in there. It is. And so, that's a testament, I think, to his talent. Right, right. to crossover. Um, but they had Mr. Liff, and they had Outcast. Which was so, it was so random. It was like, 
100 best songwriters and Outkast made the list, which I was like, what the fuck? Just because it was just a, it was so like folky, like folky, like it was just not, there was just no signs of hip hop. Right. Um, and so I feel like you had to be good to make it. And so like if you were in there, it was just sort of spoke to your talent. Mm hmm. That wasn't, still wasn't enough to like get you into life, huh? just never just, track or two but like i just i don't know like i just never i never did um and then and so preparing for this i listened to i fandom and i was like nah, i was i slept on this mm. he was a wave though because it was him acrobatic um just yeah. old, it was a wave so yeah like, when you would like a couple of them you might start liking like three or four more yeah, of them yeah, yeah. just because they, they collaborated with each other yeah. so well and um yeah and it was, it was a boston wave um, mm-hmm. Darth Adam's gonna love that I said that, but there was, and so, and it was also because it was making its way down, so like they were able to meld into it the New York underground yeah. scene. Um, same thing with Slug, like you know, coming from the Midwest and yeah. pop up over here and, and uh, Blueprint as yeah. well from Ohio, all that good stuff. So yeah. it was definitely a wave. The funny thing I will tell y'all is this fa- Def Jukes fandom was created also by valuing your own music mm. cool circle mm-hmm. yeah. so like this is the ipod generation starting mm-hmm. to pop so literally you're not playing it out loud anymore you only have to satisfy yourself right. and i remember this was also the time where i didn't need my friends to necessarily validate yo check this cat out and if i would i remember i was the only company flow fan in my dorm nobody nobody was paying so i will bump it nobody cared i wouldn't mm-hmm. tell people hey come up to my room i'm listening to company flow. They, didn't, they didn't give it there mm-hmm. and then, so like so these artists we're all like, yo, I found Mr. Lift is my cat. I'm going to go buy his vinyl and CD. I could care less if y'all going to come with me to the show or whatever. This is my artist. You, you got really possessive, but it was a good thing because you could, you know, you had your iPod, your 500 songs or whatever. It was your favorite at that time. And you didn't necessarily need, like, you know, peer validation to go forward. Back in the day, that, it was a big thing. Cause, you That's know, so true. Mm-hmm. If, you, if somebody so thought what your artist was whack, you kind of couldn't like that. You had to do it in secret. Yeah. Like it was you just really like, couldn't oh, be public. Yeah. I remember... Um, I'm old enough again. Uh, Mob Deep, it was a question of their validity. That was a big thing with Mob Deep. You, you know Juvenile Hell, they little kids, but now you know them as being like gangsters and mobsters and shooting people. And <laughs> actually, yeah. they were. Like, you know, the yeah, prod- they, prodigy, yeah. they, were, they, were, they were very gun-happy when it came out. They were remember those life, stories yeah. like trickled out now. But back then, I remember it was a big thing about, yo, are they really, are they studio gangsters? They just used to be little kids. Now mm. they on rooftops with Timberlands. And I remember people like looking at you like, yo, you fuck with Mob Deep. I'm old enough, like, and they would make their decision. Oh, you can't fuck with that fake. But then, you know, Infamous did what it did, and everybody right. kind of shut up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, but yeah, definitely, if your artist wasn't kind of universally yeah. liked, you kind of could be shamed out of liking them. Yeah. And Def Jux and, you know, Raucous even to an extent, these are all like personal playlists. If you yeah. Will. Your personal favorites. If you liked it, it didn't matter who liked it. I'm going to listen to my Bjork. I'm listening to my, you know, my Jean Grey. I'm listening to whatever I want, mm. and I didn't need other people's validation. And then, hey, if I hear your album, just, just the way you can piece and parcel together your favorites. I didn't like your whole album. I'll buy these three songs. This is also that time, yeah. right? You know, so I'm breaking apart your album, and I'm also just making my own personal playlist, and you would just go from there. Mm-hmm. So like, Lyft was part of, part of the plan. Yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah. got into Lyft because I got into all of those people all at once. I feel like that just speaks to how music has changed so much i was just talking about this so i have like a, am going down a rabbit hole but i have like a, a page on ig like that kind of like shows my journey and home brewing and 
I have this thing called Black Vinyl Brews. It's hip hop plus homebrewing, and so I just made a Mob Deep mixtape. Like I, like an actual I, tape. I like put thing. it, yeah. I like put it, put yeah. together an Audacity. Right. I like have a tape deck. I recorded it, whatever. And I just I miss that shit. I yeah. miss, it's so personal. Making a mixtape is so personal, yeah. especially when you do it for somebody else. Yeah. Like you know, like you're making it for somebody else, and you talk about it, then you listen to it together. Like we. We don't do that anymore. Like it's totally different now, and I think it's 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 the individual versus like this communal like experience. But, you know, it's also tech influence. We're we're in the headphone culture. Right? That's true. So once yeah. people started being annoyed with music out loud out in space, yeah, like yo, but I still want to bump my shit. So they make better <laughs> headphones. You know what I'm saying? With it rattling your head. Yeah. You know? So um the camaraderie i mean i mean we don't even sit down and listen to music like together like we used to like just don't. yo check this out and play it and not we'll do it but like sit still and listen like maybe from track one to ten that's more like time. sending a link to someone yeah, yeah. Check yeah. Out. they're in a, yeah. another location yeah. yeah i mean it's different it is it's different but i think there's still like there's always bass boom zilla sends me something i kind of stop what i'm doing yeah and i'll listen to it because yeah. you know he took the time to send it so he must know i mm. might dig it or he wants yeah. me to check it out so you know stuff like that but then you're right stuff that gets lost i do get links yo check this out and right. i totally forget about them yeah or they get lost on my um, email they keep going down and mm. i just don't find them and i look at them and i was like oh shoot you sent me this beat i hate when i lose work but i try yeah. not to do that i try to keep up but there was a project that just came out and i was like shit i'm supposed to be on that but you know i just didn't get it up in time my recording situation is real perilous i don't have like studios in philly like i used to mm. so i pretty much have to get my ass up and go to new york a lot to record and so sometimes it's just like yeah that's the thing and I, so i'll try to go and get everything done at once so mm. if i'm not attentive and i miss something i go pretty frequently but like i might not go for another couple of yeah. months and then you know you might drop to watch it which happens so yeah that's what totally like i was i read a lot about the making of i phantom and how lift would basically he lived with lp while he was making yeah. the record yeah uh, that's the kind of thing that doesn't seem to go on anymore. Like, yeah. no. like you were saying, like Zilla like wakes up in the morning, has fifteen minute increments to work on stuff, right? And then goes goes to his day job, right? right. And that seems to be like the trend, like bedroom musicians of being efficient in in peculiar spaces, I guess. You right. Know what yeah. I mean? In peculiar pockets of time. Pretty much, me recording is a weekend arduous type whole thing. I got to stay the night type shit. Mm -hmm. So like, if I miss your little assignment, and this is the only listeners out there. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll get you on the next one. But that does seem like a bit of a throwback, like to well, yeah, set aside um, chunks of time like that, like to have to travel to spend. You're large, right, Bob. That's a good insight because I do get into like, hey, this is like my hip hop time. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I have I have a lot of pets, so I have people watching my pets here, and I kind of don't have to be bothered. And I'm literally just going to the city just to work on hip hop. Right. My mom lives in New York, and unfortunately, you know, I, I'm. I'm one of those type of sons. I don't always go see her mm -hmm. when I'm home because I'm kind of popping in and out. And I know she would like more extended time. Yeah. She hates when I just pop up and I'm like, yo, I got to go. So sometimes I won't even see my mom, but that's a good that's a good pull up. I usually just, it's like hip hop time. Right. So I'm just going down there strictly to do it. A lot of my hip hop friends out there, you know, so I'll bump into them while I'm down there. So yeah, it is a little throwback. Um, the travel of it. As I'm going, I'm working on stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not so much in and out on me mailing a verse. I actually go to my physical studio and lay it down. Six. Six. 
this is rock bottom, y'all. I never expected it. In order to be business like you must be the prerequisite. Move your culture at home, smile. Don't be too proud, too wild. You may suffer, just don't cry out loud. This notion of professionalism is like an exorcism. Forced to give your life away while you're earning a living. These thoughts had stopped me from rejoining the workforce. But now the situation I'm in just seems to hurt more. Maybe it won't be bad. Maybe it'll be good. I could use a little structure in my life. Maybe I should take my suit and tie out of the closet. Try shining up my shoes and brush the fucking dust off of my wallet. Let's consider the prospects. Make a couple phone calls. Now so many interviews. You know I got next week. I'm strictly going from the bottom to the peak. I'm ready, focused, and determined to get back on my feet. It seems to me that might be also the kind of time that like breeds creativity. Like Liv talked about, like the the ASAP mm-hmm. chorus on uh, success. Like mm-hmm. he just happened to be he dropped by right LP's house that day. Okay, I can speak on that. That's a great pull. I, I really like that. The um the kismet of recording. When somebody just happened to be in at your session or they're in the neighborhood or yeah. they hear that you're recording, or I'll stop by and they end up on a track. That is, unless I know the intricacies, that me personally, that is a little lost art. There were times where cats would just kind of slide through and like, yo, what you doing? I don't know, you got something for this? And then like, um, right. they're on the song. A good friend of mine, Boogie Mandela, um, we put him on a couple of our projects. But he actually was was there to record for my record. This one I put out back <laughs> in the day called um, Winston's Appeal. And um, he was there to record that, but we ended up like, yo, man, we're going to put you on two other things. And so that just naturally happened. So that type of thing, or like, you know, your flutist friend is in town and they pop up. There is a little bit loss of that, but I do have a good crew of cats. Like I said, mm-hmm. record crew immediately and then my bigger crew, like it's the company we keep. So right. I definitely can call them on cats. Yo, what you doing? Um, I need a I need a hook for this thing. You you, you free or I'll, me? I have to set it up a little ahead of time. So like I'll be in I'll be in New York from this date to this date. Yeah. Um, if you want to, you can come sit in. No obligation. Nobody's obligated, but like you know that 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 was a, that's a great pull. Like when mm-hmm. people just there, their presence leading to another creative angle for a song. Yeah, like, that stuff is great. Yeah, and you got to set aside time for that. Like, yeah, and if, well, the thing is like when you when when listeners hear final songs, it's great because y'all y'all hear it. And that's your version. But then I also know, like, hey, that's the fourth version of the song. And, like, uh, <laughs> there's a version where, like, Dougie Fresh is beatboxing at that scrap. Like, there's, like, <laughs> old versions of songs that you kind of marry and you think about when you hear final versions. Yeah. Um, like, on Tosh, uh, The Good Reverend Doctor, that's uh, produced by Small Pro. Small was not the original producer of the song. Okay. And I have the original song, but I don't really like the producer that did it anymore, so that's why mm-hmm. he was X'd out. He knows who the fuck he is, and so um, yeah, it's, it's not Taleb Koyli, is it? No, he would <laughs> never, I'll never have him on anything. I want to get back to that, but go finish your story. Right. And I'm asking. So um, I had Smalls remix it, and it's like a different take on it, so it has a whole different angle to it. Yeah. Same lyrics, but um, but as as me, the the creator, I know like the three other versions of the song. So sometimes you listen, it's a little. That's one of my favorite tracks, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's that was really. Um, I'm a big Spike fan, so I will always try to represent him in some way. So if it's just me occupying one of his characters and playing out one of his scenes, I, mm-hmm. I tend to do that. But yes, what, what do you want to get into? Why? What? What's the beef? Well, quality, it was a personal situation, so I won't okay. drag it out. But it was okay. like, it was a personal situation based off a text message of mine. Mm-hmm. And he pretty much used my text message, because I wasn't there, 
but he pretty much used my text message to actually do a good show because he's a horrible performer. And he usually loses his voice after his second show. So that shows he's not really a professional. He doesn't care about the people that came to see him or the money they paid. When, you, when you're rapping with a raspy-ass voice, do, do your fucking exercises. You're a professional. And I've seen him enough where it happens all the time. But anyway, so he uses this text message of mine. Like I said, I'm going to get the details because I'm saving that for a song. And that, that turned his, like, his fuel to do like one good performance. Mm. So like, fuck you. You know what I'm saying? He was there with another artist, but I don't really uh, diss her too much anymore. So you personally, you knew him, or you worked with him, or like what? Did I ever work with Quap? No, I never worked with him. He's a bitch. But um, this incident, like, kind of stuck a crow on me. And if you know him now, online, mm-hmm. this incident with me and him was like the seeds of him doing what he does now. Okay, okay. Like arguing with people that oh, you don't know in his time, sphere. Man. And if I see him in person, I'll say it to him. And we'll yeah, probably have yeah. a tad out to I don't care. But I think you're a bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I'll probably, and I'll bet you good money. If I describe it decently enough, I remember. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I remember what the show sure. was. It was up, um, it was up in Pennsylvania. Up, yeah. I don't know where, like York or something, but it was like sure. semi-local. And yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll remember. He'll like, oh, yeah, he'll remember. But yeah, so that's that's my lip thing. Um, I had a diss song for That's him. your quality thing. That's not your Oh, not lip. Excuse me. Shout out to the God. That's my <laughs> quality thing. Edit, edit, edit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we won't put that on. Yeah, that's my quality thing. And um, I don't fuck with the dude no more. Damn, definitely man. don't fuck with Quali. And, you know, that's what... And like I said, for him to turn into what he turned in, you know, I was right. I yeah. was right in, in feeling that type of way. The accuracy. Yeah. I definitely tweeted at him and been like, take a break, man. What Please. the fuck are you doing? You know, he, he's a maniac with that shit. Like, he just can't control his feelings. Everything is too personal. On the Who has platform. time for that shit? He makes it. He stays up all night doing that shit. That's crazy. I've seen him respond to people. I've seen him get in an argument with somebody until like 2 in the morning. I was up. I was like, yo, what's... Reply, quote, quote, you know, all that type God. of stuff. Not just replying, yeah. but like quoting the thing and saying a reply. It's exhausting just to read. Like, I can't imagine living it. Something's crazy. Awesome if you're doing all that. That's he, too much. He, he, you're doing the most. He's a lot for himself. Yeah. Have you guys seen um, Sorry to Bother You? Yes. No. All right, so I, I read Liff say that he wished he had made a companion film to iPhantom. And then separately read a review of i phantom that compared the narrative to boots riley really and then i started thinking god damn sorry to bother you i have to go rewatch it with that in mind now if i started thinking about it and i was like the the main tropes of i phantom you can plot them as the movie the movie uh, it gradually gets more intense and, yeah. and, and estranged. But there are sections, like where he's like, you know, struggling, then he gets the position, and then mm-hmm. he does better, then he gets a promotion, and all of that stuff that's and happening. And each step, so he starts with a shitty job, mm-hmm. and each step up he takes, the more of his like identity that he loses. He loses cause, so pretty much, mm-hmm. in the movie, he gets ahead by using his white voice. And that leads him to be real successful. But when he, it's funny when he goes to the successful part of the mm-hmm. companies, and everybody has to use a white voice up there, and um, pretty much it just spills. You can imagine it just spills off from that. And Boots Riley also is like a, uh, I guess, was, I guess the movie you could say he's a satirist. He's a satirist. Oh yeah, sense, right. And there's another big moment in the movie. I won't ruin it because I do want you to see it. Yeah. There's a big moment in the movie where it, it goes to kind of obscure place, and for some people that's where they disconnected from the movie. Mm-hmm. And the big moment is not necessarily necessary right the movie can kind of exist without that yeah now i'm not sure what you're referring to the big part at the end the 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 creation oh yeah well yeah but that's where the like 
comparisons continue to me from me to i phantom because it's like spiraling out of control right, in ways right. that seem pretty ridiculous and it and does get to the nuclear explosion yeah, yeah. Right, so exactly. I, I, okay that's a good that's another good full but like, i need to be taking notes i'm definitely gonna <laughs> i'm gonna watch that and, and think about it. yeah you're right it does spiral into a grand absurdity but the funny thing about i phantom is as a hip-hop listener those records did have those type of songs towards the end mm -hmm. so if you just listen to it without the concept thing like weighing on you yeah. Oh, now he's the posse cut with more people and it's yeah. a more explosive thing yeah. and thing like that. But yeah, he does get to, yeah, it gets the earth crusher. Like, you know what I mean? Like Nuclear <laughs> nuclear holocaust. Yeah, so like, you know. It's funny that I listen to him like, uh, talk about it though because he's like, he's serious about that shit. Yeah. He, I I think he's he like, like legitimately being... like afraid that like nuclear war could occur and he's, they'll he's plan to He's old enough for the Cuban Missile Crisis. Right. I asked yeah. my mom about that. If, that, if you went yeah. through that, even if you were like three or four, you still kind of like, you know, we're not so many years away from just right. believing that, hey, all right, we're all good. Yeah. yeah. We all press the button. I was close. My mom says that was really close. She told me. Yeah. It was powerful, the, the fear. You could really touch oh, yeah, it. Yeah, I can imagine, like, having to do, like, drills, drills in school. Like, under that oh, yeah, yeah. desk is going to do them little-ass <laughs> wooden desks. Little, like, coming to there. When I was coming to school, they had just kind of stopped those things because, you know, the cold war had kind of simmered. I was in the school in the 80s and shit, and so... It wasn't much of that. It was more like uh, stand up and pledge allegiance. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Such a time. Yeah. Well, mm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the oh man. Anyway, y'all. Uh, um, yeah, that's a good pull. I definitely were gonna companion that. I wonder if that, do you think Lyft has caught wind of that and maybe like sat down with it? I did some like googling, uh -huh. trying to figure out if someone. I felt, I thought like someone else has had had to have to thought about this. Adam, yeah. But I couldn't find anything. So just that one comparison you found, nobody else explained. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was separate. It was like somebody over here saying that, uh, it's actually funny. Uh, what the critics said was, I Phantom sounds more like Boots Riley and less like Talib Kweli. <laughs> <laughs> he strikes again. We're all right, fucker. <laughs> uh, but that was completely separate from... Uh, this other like interview with Lyft saying that he wished he had made a like companion film. So I'm gonna find a way. I got six degrees. I'm gonna try to slide him that message one way or another. <laughs> tell somebody to tell somebody, and hopefully I hear it. Oh well, we were talking about uh, that last that like posse cut, post mortem. Yes. The one with um. With LP and Jean Grey and. Uh, yes. I actually listened to that on the walkover. Acrobatic. Um, it was like the much better version of 24 Hours to Live. What was uh, Oh, you got to stop Mace. it. 24 Hours to Live, classic. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I know, song. but the, the thing about 24 Hours to Live is it has like that great DMX verse. I mean, oh, that, hell yeah. Just hearing his style. and that, did it, did it, I was like, what the fuck is good? But yeah, I see what you're saying. In terms of like this concept. Exactly. And being more... Um, the more expanding, expanding, expanding on it. Right, yeah. Oh, what, um, whose verse... Is that Jean Grey when she starts saying she starts running off a list of everything she'll do really quickly? Mm -hmm. uh, she has like this last couple of times. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and LP is like he just goes about his day, doesn't he? 
Not exactly. Yeah, he just kind of goes about his day, goes home. It's, it's healthy. He's sardonic. It was a gentle fishing kiss on my block and hot light like a baby breathing siren terrain. And now my name is merely last second of brain exists. Before the final flash, motion and pretty details of the life I had passed. Now my warm night in Brooklyn is ash. Falling from the snout of Lucy's that I choked on right in the corner from class. Before the moments when the moon can move fast. Another summer slowly growing with the friendships that would end with a blast. Oh, how the hours could so blissfully lag. She slid a tongue between my lips and I gasp Told my dogs and they laugh Now we're combining our cash at last A pocket smokes and a flask Hope is liquor with a God's bottom mask Convert to atheism, denounce God Pronounce religion dead, faith in nothing Trace my wrist with razors I refuse to wait for the blaze to erase my spirit Death face with it, run to it, not from it Swallow all the pills in the medicine cabinet Chase it with a bottle of 151 Hug mommy, head outside the smash windows in Trash my hotel lobby, break the dribble If the time allows I find a kid to hem up Wish I'd done more sin and get a strap on Run up in some women Lay in the middle of a Highway, wait for pain to hit me. Steal all my camera, people looting, screaming, come and get me. Find the nearest pawn shop, biggest gun, crowded street. Blow my brains to hell and gone, and let the devil come for me. What's the chances I'll be one of Yeah, that's a good comparison. You're pulling them 25 hours to live and post more. I'm about to listen to that back to back. Like, yo, watch Sorry to Bother You and play Offensive in the background. Oh, yeah, you mute Sorry to Bother You and play Offensive. Yeah, I really. If it hits some time markers, if a song switches and boots did something. I'm throwing both of those things out the window. I, I like that. I definitely did like look look up like when because sorry to bother you was like based on a um, an album from the Coop. Oh, um, one of their albums oh, called but, Sorry to Bother You. Oh, they had oh, they, I, I, I only the only Coop album title I know is like was it Kill the Like Kill Your Land? That one. That was yeah, the first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't uh, a big Coop fan either, but again, he was boots of somebody I'm aware of, just like how we said with yeah, him. like I'm aware of boots. I, I kind of yeah. and also Pam. She was amazing. Rest in peace, Alan. Mm. That was dope. But yeah. Oh, okay. But still, uh, not still, so, uh, sorry to bother you. I, I looked up the dates because I was like, which came first? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I Phantom came first. Might be. Tough. I tell you what, if Boots did, he would never tell you. Of course not. He's the type. He would never like no. reveal it. It's also not, I mean, I will acknowledge, it's not like a, it's not necessarily a unique like idea. Right. That, that like our current system like overcome overtakes us and, and enslaves was, us uh, and the, the, the slang of the time You're like we, we were talking to the end times LP that was his whole career at that point um, and it, and also to be the flagship release and to talk about nuclear holocaust like everybody else coming down the pipe might right yeah that was a good decision but yeah it, it, it definitely was a topic of the times so a lot of people talking about it um, we just what <laughs> we just survived Y2K right but we still had the um, the Mayan end of the world to come in about 10 years. Mm-hmm. We survived Buster Rhymes countdown. <laughs> I was keyed in. It's only four years left. I was always marking my calendar. Every December 3rd, Buster says only two years left, y'all. Because I didn't know Buster's full plan, so I didn't know he would have records after it all ended. Continuing the theme. I didn't know he yeah. would have like chances right. and, you know, aftermath or whatever those things so I just, I really didn't. So I, I really marked down my calendar. He's only three years left. Three years left. Because he started with like five years left. The coming comes out in 96. Right. Yeah. There's only five. And he, on the coming, he was saying five years left. Yeah, like yeah. Every record up. Counting down. Yeah, man. Scary guy. <laughs> Buster Ross. He supposedly has this really good record coming soon, but they keep teasing it. It was supposedly ready last year. I don't know. Mm. So well, I, I hope. I, I, I like when they come back and do some solid work. Because mm-hmm. they're capable. You know, but um, I talk to Zilla about this all the time because we talk about this with Ghostface. When you're an older MC, 
that ether that you can reach into and pull out that unknown, that, that whimsy, mm-hmm. that miracle, sometimes that door shuts. So you can still rap off muscle memory. But right. Ghostface will always be able to rap with his eyes closed. Right. right. But he'll just be talking like, I went out the door, I said it before. He, like, that's how he raps now. <laughs> Open up the microwave, set a page, go down, I'm never a slave, step down the steps, what's next? Your yeah. bet. That's how he raps now. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he raps like rapping by numbers, and he doesn't do that fly now with the rainbow ballads. Walking on your ceilings like E.T. Hit the, hit the TV with the finger. He don't do that shit no more. Mm-hmm. So my point is, I think you get to a point where that unknown you can reach into, as you can reach into and grab. You don't know where it is. Sometimes verses write themselves. That cuts off. You don't have access mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just like a kid's imagination kind of whittles huh. away as they get older. Yeah. And so yes, I can do it. Muscle memory. You know what I'm saying? I'm a gymnast. I can do the palm roll over and over again. But, you know, can I do that bang move I did, like, one year out of high school with the one hand? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. no. Yeah. And some people yeah. age better. Like, Raekwon still can. He still sounds as good. As good. His slang is still sharp. But Ghostface shouldn't have, he shouldn't have that type of G- degeneration when Raekwon still can. That I use that comparison all the time. Yeah, this is when I started thinking about, like, I don't know, nature versus nurture. Like, okay. you, you, like how far have you separated yourself from the environment in which you could create the way you did yep. previously? True. And how does that create a barrier? I mean, just the monetizing of it leads you down that road because you go from all y'all hanging out in a dusty studio. As cliche as it sounds, that is true. Smoking woolies or whatever, smoke all over the place that you're not in a professional place. That, oh, you're here early. Your, your session doesn't start till 10. Please wait in the, in the lobby. Yeah. You, you know, it's it, it got stunted somehow. But then, but again, those seem like outliers because Nas still makes good music. He's been working in professional studios all his mm-hmm. life. Raekwon always been working in professional studio. You know, so yeah. to me, the people that can still do it, you know, um, I, I bring up J-Rock because people don't know how long J-Rock's been in the game. You know what I'm saying? He still is in touch with it. So yes, the the genesis of the um, of the Sonics, what it was created in that environment, definitely has a, an influence on what came out. But I think people still find ways to adapt and still get that feeling like, I know Schoolboy Q kicks everybody out the studio. Mm-hmm. Nobody's in there. No engineer, nothing. When he's first kind of doing his first wave of stuff, then people come in. Um, Wu-Tang, when they were still kind of doing good, what would they do? Yo, let's get out of here. Let's go to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Now, it's extravagant there, but we're separated. Right. And nobody's in there to, right. um, yeah. to distract right. us. And if somebody wants to work on a record like Buster did, they need to fly out here. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, when they did the Wu Mansion oh, in nice. California, you need to come out here. Yeah. Um, Dr. Dre's setup was like that, yo. Right. I remember... Dre didn't like getting stuff sent or like getting like, I mean, he probably changed now, but he didn't like getting shipped locals or being yeah. recorded somewhere else. He wanted you to come to LA and record yeah. in my, in my mm-hmm. spot mm-hmm. and have me to have first hands on stuff. Yeah. So it definitely influences uh, what we do, but I, I've, I've seen too many artists succeed, you know, with that in mind, with with their career rocketing, like, you know, Pusha T is recording in way better studios than he used to be. And he still sounds, yeah. you know, right. yuck. He still sounds yuck, you know what I mean? So, um, and KRS-One, his, his studios have improved and he's awful now. So, you know, that happens too. I just wanted to do it. I, people, I feel like people don't say it enough. KRS-One is awful. Okay, he's awful. He has rapping. been for a long for time. For a long time. Yeah. And, it, and he's released 10 albums in this awful phase. And he should stop. Just be like Oscar Robertson, just sit and smile. You're old. Sit, smile. And yeah, make I feel like he's like transitioning to like the advocate phase. Like trying, but he still drops albums. No, but yeah. no, that's what he needs. That needs oh, to yeah, be his full time, yeah, yeah, yeah. gig. He really did the album with Buckshot. 
And I think that taints Buckshot's <laughs> discography. Like that, I, I, we already know what he did for Karis One. He don't care. But when he's pulling up Buckshot, that that did something to me. I was like, you worked with him for a record. <laughs> you trading verses with knowledge of reign supreme over? No, stop it, <laughs> stop it, man. And, and, and Chris knows better. That's my problem. When you kind of know better, all right. You BDP for Christ's sakes. You know better. <laughs> you know when to stop. All right. You, anybody does it. If you're a bull rider and he knocks you off quicker than before, you blimp your ass back and say, yeah, I ain't doing that no more. This is like separation with reality. Like, I mean, look, when you get rich, you can build your own studio. So, yeah, you never have to stop. Yeah. But right. don't put the music out. <laughs> Mad Lib have vaults of stuff that we will never hear. I used to think the concept was, was wacky. Like, how do you record stuff? You know, because just for him right. to listen to. Karis wanted to play that stuff for his kids. Give it to him for Christmas. Just like, like, like don't send it to RCA for them to put out master distribution. It's like being a writer. It's like you don't publish everything that you True. write. Right. True. And then you have people that might have read more of your stuff than the non-published stuff. But I just think you know when it's time. And I just hate people that drag it out because you're just putting out. You just, you, you're taking somebody's spot. Somebody else could drop a record. It's decent. Then they're in touch. And it's not even an age thing. If you're out of touch, just let it go. I used to play basketball like crazy. So cut school, cut classes. Now, if I play ball, my knee swells up like a watermelon. <laughs> I don't do it anymore. I let the young guy go watch. Hey, young boy, you doing good. I give him a thumbs up and I walk off. I don't embarrass myself. I think it's funny because, like, people that you're like, it's time. Like, stop. It's obvious, too. And then people that you're like, no, you keep going. You're good. They stop. stop. They stop. Straight <laughs> like, up. We know three stacks. I was just about like, to say. Three was stacks was say. like, I'm done. I'm not trying to record all this shit when I'm in my 40s. I'm not trying to do a whole album yeah. and then tour the record. Yeah. And then also, with three stacks, he's in the major label model. Right. So they do things a certain right. way. Right. So him wanting True. to be kind of eclectic and can I just do it kind of on the, they don't, nah, we need you to tour this record. You're not feeling, It's a yeah. price point already. We already know what Outcast yeah. American makes. So can you can you do these two? And with him, it's funny because he, he's featured on Anderson Pack's new record. Mm -hmm. yeah Anderson dropped today and yep. I'm glad because this record oh, is way better than Oxnard and I only listen to two songs <laughs> Oxnard is I don't know what was going on I don't know and I've been following Anderson Pack since uh, covers mixtape he did yeah. way back in the day Malibu is my favorite yeah yeah and um, I know the cat that did the cover art yeah. Um, so I mean, like, Venice was good, but Malibu's. Venice got some good joints on yeah. it. Yeah. Some really good grooves where you can ride with it. But Malibu is a cool piece finish. of work. Is a great piece of work. Yeah. So I when agree. he did Oxnard, I was like, okay, and there's all that Dre. And I'm like, this was like done for a specific point. Like, yeah. For a certain it, artist, yeah. you might be up So a certain uh, fan base you're trying to reach. Yeah. I feel that's like what it felt like. Every yeah. song felt like you're trying to reach and get to something. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And also maybe these songs come off live. You know, there's, yeah. a, there's a component to like making yeah. songs that come off really well live. And he has a great band with him and stuff. Yeah, true, true. But like, as soon as I started playing Venture, I was like, okay, this is more. And I, I don't mean to be a selfish fan, but like, you know, it's, if you're going to yeah. make, if you're going to do it every other album, like if, if you're going to do an Oxnard every other album, skip every one, every other one. Yeah. Just like the iPhones, I skip one. <laughs> I get the That's, next iteration. I feel it, yes. And I just move on. But um, definitely uh, Venture is definitely on the right path okay CeeLo had potential to be like a top 10 MC period he was very adept at rapid and I remember being like yo yo you really good at rapping so then we started doing the singing stuff I was like okay 
it's kind of dual. And he's good at it because he's spiritual and church cat. But yeah. my Lord, I swore. I was, and it was when Lauren was switching over too. And I was very adamant against all of them just singing and not rapping. And so I just swore, look, you can do that thing, but just give me a nice mix. And if you notice, CeeLo was kind of churning and churning until he gets to that last yeah. one where he's, yeah. he's wearing the golden mask and he's yeah. like singing the whole time. That's this is a point that I made when we talked about soul food. I, could imagine. I was like, why? I just wanted him to rap more. Like, why? Because yeah. he's just that. What about Sturdy South and about going to the apartment and gate just like me? Like Good. his grasp. Wow, like he very much is a very talented MC, uh, and I yes. think he doesn't even know it. Because I mean, I'm not saying he's not so weird, but I, he doesn't give him enough credit. Because even the stuff he was doing when he did uh, the uh, Nars Barkley. Yeah, and the cadences he would use when he would happen to rest yeah. right. because he was rapping over different production from Dave yeah. Jones. I was like, look, and then he has on his own joint. There's a beat, and I go, and I'm like, yo, man, like, <laughs> just do, just give me five of those a record. I'll listen to all the singing shit. Mm -hmm. But then he went off the deep end with that Golden Mask thing. Yeah, because you know it was a promotion that they didn't go full on. Because I read the whole thing. I can't remember right now, but it was more to it. It's supposed to be like a little figurine, yeah, and a toy and all that. And they didn't go full on with it, so he ended up just kind of wearing the mask for no reason. <laughs> what I didn't like was he was trying to explain it on some creative right, shit right, when right. he could have just mm -hmm. said, "Yo, this is the beginning of the campaign. <laughs> you know, you, if you see yeah. the full part of it, you'll fully understand." Yeah. But I know I look kind of crazy right now. But he was trying to sell it. <laughs> and this whole thing like that wasn't me. No, I sent a representative no, or a no. robot. Or whatever, yeah. <laughs> Good old CeeLo. But yeah, CeeLo definitely is a cat. That, you know, I mean, he's still making music, but definitely kept up. If you kept yeah. up your rap lineage, you would be a great right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he really could have been. And I'm glad you said something about L Boogie because. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, I, we were just talking about this on the last episode. We were talking about the score, and I just, I don't know. She's so underrated as MC because her body of work is not as great as mm -hmm. other. You can't. It, it's hard to women compare. Women in hip hop. Hard to compare. I don't care though. Like, if you listen to her rhymes, like holy shit. And yeah, then, yeah. like, I think Zilla said it today. Like, Proz and Wyclef strategically did not put her on Blood on Rally because they knew better. <laughs> they knew they were going to get schooled. Yeah, but Blood on Rally is just a mess. I mean, it yeah, is man. a mess. Like, and, you could hear how messy, but. Yes, and we admit it because this thing. But I could hear when you listen to the songs, you could hear too many chefs in the kitchen. You could hear the confusion in the studio. Or let me not say confusion. You could hear because I went through something like that. You could hear them trying to throw every weaponry they had at that record. Mm -hmm. It was an identity crisis. Like they yeah. didn't know who they were supposed to be. Right. The record label was pushing something else, but that's not who they were. And right. so it right. came out sounding a mess. But Lauren was the <laughs> she like was the strongest link out of the whole group. But if we wanted to, this is my thing. Go you ahead. Know, you got to do the full body work. Unplug fucks up her. It fucks it up. Whoa. And then I'm going to tell you why. Okay, go ahead. I'll tell you why. It's really simple. Okay. So I watched her performance live. Okay. I was a little disappointed because I started noticing the chords were a little similar. And I was like, well, if she wants to get into the acoustic, she should have hired somebody to sit there and play the guitar for her. Okay. That's me. But here's what happened. Okay. You know, we're all fired up. We were dying for Lauren material. She dropped something. Right. Go get the CD. I'm listening to it and I'm like, yeah, this is my favorite song. This is the one, y'all. I'm trying to point it out to people. This is the one I heard. This is the favorite song. It's track 10. I look at the track. It's track 24. How do I confuse those songs? 
Oh, because she can't play more than one chord. And every song sounds the same. And I didn't even know what my favorite song was because she confused the hell out of me because 8 sounds like 10 and 10 sounds like 24 and Elsa sounds like 3 and this part of 7. And I'm like, what am I listening to? What am I listening to? What You tricked me. And I don't like being tricked. I hate being solicited. And you tricked me into thinking these are individual songs and really it's one long damn song. It's very similar to when regular artists put out a dub plate and it'd be one beat and they put like 20 different songs on the type of beat. That's what Unplugged did. And so when I heard Unplugged, I was like, you're not tricking me. Now the lyrics, they're tight, very high end, but the delivery sucks. And she sucked, and that's the beginning of her letting her fans down. And trust me, because I know people that work with her real closely. She has a problem, and she needs to go see somebody. She needs to go to entertainment rehab. Not necessarily something's wrong with her. Something's wrong with how you perform when people pay tickets to come see you. You don't know what you're doing. You, you let the tether go. So, Unplugged was the beginning of that. Those ideas of being all smushed into one. She should have got a guitarist. She should have thought about it just a little longer. And I would have respected that. <laughs> and that's my Lord spiel. Not to mention she didn't produce or really work on the stuff on her original album, The Miseducation. You know what it is? It's the misappropriation of sonics and lyrics. That's what the name of the album should be. Because she only wrote about 15% of it. Okay. You just... You just I know. Okay, just so stirred out the whole cool. hornet's nest here. Cool. First of all, no... Um, um, okay. I don't know anybody in the music industry. I don't know anybody that worked with Lauren Hill, so I can't dispute that. I can't say, hey, no, that's not true, whatever. Like, I wasn't behind the scenes. Fair enough. It wasn't me. Um, you know people, you know people. Number one, <laughs> I don't give a fuck if, I don't care who, I, I don't care what the disputes are. I don't care. I heard Robert. Robert Glasper's whole fucking spill. I heard just, the bullshit. I heard it. I'm just going to get another drink and sit here. I, I don't give a fuck. You cannot deny her talent. I'm not saying that's what you're doing, because you, you definitely did say that her lyrics are on point. Whatever. You cannot deny her talent. Two, I am so tired. I am so tired of people berating her, mm -hmm. saying... Oh, something's wrong with Lauren. Like, she got shit going on. Like, I I'm so tired of that. Like, I'm so tired how we just throw people away. Like, when they're not acting like we think they should be acting. And I'm so tired of us losing our humanity in that when we look at somebody who's in the limelight. Mm -hmm. First of all, Lauren Hill was 15 when the Fuji started. Mm -hmm. She was a kid. Yes. They went through that whole thing. We know. Right. Backstory, Wyclef yes. jumped in, yep. wooed her, yes, he did. whatever the fuck, got they pregnant. got married, got her pregnant, she was pregnant. whatever, yeah. yeah, that whole bit, and then was like, eh, whatever, now I'm going to yes, be with my did. wife. Yes, he did. Fuck with her. Yes, he did. I'm going to say as 15 year old, 15 until what, however old she was when the score was out and then they broke up. That's a very fucking vulnerable stage in your life. That's very... The Wyclef, that there's definitely people let go to rope when they, in terms of like, you know how blaming the story goes. Absolutely. The Wyclef is such an ambassador. You know, he's such a Haitian um, uh, dig, dignitary. They don't yeah. really associate a lot of things that could be going on with Lauren now and stuff. Right. You know, that stuff before. My thing with Lauren is not denying the talent. It's just, I, I'm too close because I know people that know her. I know people okay. that work with her. So it's just the execution. And so if you have a problem performing live, mm -hmm. then you shouldn't. Okay. And I know yeah. there's certain ways people make money and stuff right. like that, but there's a certain way that she can do that. She can go, I, she can go okay. perform solo in a studio, which 
yeah. do like a, a set and let them record it and promote it. If okay. She's still, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to deny her no, no. abilities yeah. and what she's doing out there. But just what I just don't like is you're late for a show constantly, but you just don't own up to it and you have these weird excuses. So to me, it means that you don't really even have a good grasp of getting your show on time and executing that way. Mm-hmm. In your mind, you take whatever time because I know what she's doing. You know what I'm saying? She's not just arriving late. She's doing a lot to, right. to her preparation. Yeah. So if your preparation requires that much, then your start time should just just, just be a product of that. Yeah. Well, you know, around this time, she's finishing doing whatever it is she's doing. Okay. So you start there. So until then, let's have a decent opening act. That's another problem with her shows. They don't really hire opening acts to just handle that time. Mm-hmm. Somebody definitely wants the opportunity. We know she's going to be maybe an hour delayed. Let's get somebody in that slot, two people in that slot. It's just execution. As an artist, and as what she's done, and as what she's laid down, I will never take away from the lady. But sometimes you, you find out that you find out things about a lot of things, especially with albums, especially with the way journalism is now as opposed to then. Back then, you could bury a story. You could pay somebody, hey, I don't want you to report this. Right. This doesn't come out. Also, if it's kind of regional, if something happens in San Diego, I live in New York. I don't know what happened. Right. It's in the San Diego paper, page four, Correct. slim column. It goes away. Now that we have so much access to stuff, maybe we know too much stuff. Yeah. And, I, and yeah, I'm with you in terms of like, a lot of this criticism definitely dilutes the greatness that she accomplished. The Nobody can take away any of them Grammys. One, she's holding all eight, nine of them. Mm-hmm. That's great. Similar to like, you know, not similar, but like, yeah. when, when people try to abstract from Michael Jackson, I'm old enough. I know what Michael did. I don't need nobody to tell me. I don't need a story and I don't need confessions. Right. I know right. what he did. I'm old enough. I remember it when it happened. So, but at the same time, you can still appreciate some art because I have different opinions. R. Kelly, fuck him. Because I know what you're talking about. See, that's the difference. It's not just you made art and I I have a disagreement of how you live your life. That's me and Michael. I have a big disagreement. I don't don't like some of the things that I've heard and some of the things I kind of know. But you made some songs. I dig a lot of your songs. I listen to them here and there. And you're gone. R. Kelly's still here. I know what your music means now. He's talking about I what he's doing. I kind of knew right. what your music meant back he's then. You showed me, and you that's 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 a big stretch for me. Right. But right. I had friends. Then when Chocolate Factory came out, that was his best defense. It didn't matter what video you saw. Chocolate Factory was such a triumph. That was when people started the whole. Well, I don't like him, but I like his music uh-huh. because yes. they did not want to deny this yes. musical moment. Because Chocolate Factory definitely was a moment. It's a great music on it. But I remember that's when people started making those definitive stands. Like, and stuff okay, in love, all that. Yeah. Okay, I I don't like the man, but I like the music. But people are saying that a lot now. Over time, we've been doing that. James Brown was a horrible person. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's a horrible man. Like, just seriously. We struggle in black community right. with that. And then yeah. also some of the things that people put on the wax. You know, not Bill Withers particularly, but like a lot of those singers were singing about some. Fucked up shit they were doing. Gay. Thank you. So we do battle with that, but I don't know. In the present day, I have a little more access to information. Yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I get it. And again, I'm not in the entertainment industry. I never have been. Um, so I, I don't know the backstory. Mm-hmm. Like I know that you get what you get when you listen to people's music and you see them, but you don't know them. So I, they could be a completely different person. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen that through people that have R. Kelly, people like that, Bill Cosby, all that shit. Um, what I don't like is that her career has been reduced to this just... I'm not saying that she shouldn't hold, she shouldn't take be held accountable. I'm yeah. not saying she I shouldn't know. be. Um, but... 
I just can't stand it because I feel like she is berated. And no one takes into consideration what she's gone through, what she might have gone through, how she started out, how young she was when she started out. And I feel like we tolerate so much more from fucking men. And I cannot no, stand that, that. That's a great point. That's a great I point. cannot stand that. And that's so I get really defensive that's when people come point. at her because, you know, men have done so many fucking heinous things. And we're just true. like, eh, fuck it. We'll still pay money to go to the shows. We'll true. still buy the fucking albums. Whatever. A little side note, Carl Malone is a horrible human being. <laughs> the mailman? Oh, I always fucking hated Carl Malone. He's a horrible I fucking hate human. the Utah Jazz. Like, but just, always but he's an example him of, and whoever. Okay, so when he went into the league, right? Yeah. When he was 18, 19, 20, he had gotten a 13-year-old girl pregnant. And when she wanted, and this is early, it's 80s. So the, the child support that she wanted was really basic. I'm trying to tell you, I was like 20 a week. Back then, 20 yeah. 20 a week, 30, like really minuscule, considering what he was going to make. They weren't even trying right. to get him. And this is before he had gotten his elite. He said, fuck off. He had some lawyers, push it off, whatever. When that kid got older, he's a professional football player. Contact him, whatever. It's too late for us to develop a relationship when his son was 18. Meanwhile, he goes to WNBA games to, to root on his daughter because she's famous. This kid was still in Somehow I knew all of this without knowing it just by watching Carl Malone play basketball. <laughs> yeah. So point being is, yes, we don't know. My only thing with Elle is when we get into these conversations, it's usually started off by one of her actions compounding and bringing it back to the fold. Mm-hmm. She hasn't had like three shows she showed up on time in a row. Because that's what people want. They just wanted to do one decent run, a small thing. Like, I don't even think she needs to take on it. Like, she was doing this big anniversary show where she had all yeah. these features, but then they canceled a bunch of shows. It got yeah. weird. So if she did a nice little full run, full show run, like, don't go anywhere. I'm in London. Yeah. You come out to the O2, I have four shows. Two consecutive weekends, a Saturday, Sunday show. Next yeah. weekend, Saturday, Sunday Your show. residency. Yeah, uh-huh. I think that will go really far for her because then people, yeah, that's all they want. They want a little little show fame, and they'll rededicate. Come on. You know that they'll rededicate. I just went to a show. We just opened for Rakim. There was somebody in the front. He was wearing a Rakim T-shirt that he had got from back then. I know he did because I don't even. I looked at the shirt and I don't even remember this shirt in my lifetime. Yeah. So he he got it back then, like from maybe a merch MSG yeah. concert, and he was right there in the front. There was already when we told people we opened for Rakim. Some uh, people's or people you know was like, yeah, my dad's going. Yeah, my uncle's going to that show. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the fan base is always out there. Right. They will re-embrace you. And she still sells out shows and all that stuff. She definitely does. I just think if she would just get that, that just that aspect in a row, and, and people would take take her form, and it, it, we would forget all that. But it's just that that narrative just keeps getting reinforced. And then you're right. They do pile on. And you're right. They do not do that to men. Men do some horrible things. Uh, you know, did, did Justin Bieber piss on his fans? That happened, right? I mean, look how... Look you can't separate fact from reality, or fact from fiction when he it comes to... He spit on, Something came out of him onto his fans. Right. <laughs> and, um, you're totally right. And I, and, and I'm, and I, if I was you, I'd stick with her, and you keep using her as a simple, because that's a great point. I'm not denying that she probably has some stuff going on that she needs to address. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of evident, but, again... How long have we tolerated that from men? I think about Kanye. Kanye's Oof. fucking sick. But how long? People, I just got into this conversation tonight at happy hour with work, and people are still defending him. And I'm just like, this is what I'm saying. We this can't is a not shit. talk about Kanye. We can't. We all talk about him every fucking episode, but this is the shit that I'm talking about. Like, he, just, Kanye I would just like to go on the record by saying standard. I thought about Kanye earlier and purposely did not bring him. When we were talking about destination recording, 
Because we have, uh, yeah, that thing. Oh, my God. So uh, we have, in our circles, we have certain people that are pretty eclectic. Yeah. And they work a certain way, and you kind of have to cater to the way that they work. Right. And if you don't, you can mess up the work. But the work mm-hmm. is so good, you're willing to give, there's a few individuals, we give some passes, then, you know, normal, yeah. like, hey, yo, yo, you got verse. Like, I'm not bothering certain people for verses because I yeah. want that. Brilliant. Kanye is in this rarefied air, it seems like, where... We've allowed ourselves to watch him have a nervous breakdown before our eyes. Absolutely. But we think that it's in service of some music or some creative device. So we kind of just look at him smiling on the Kardashian show like it's normal. But that's a... Sorry, I don't mean... No, but yeah, dive right in. Like I think for a lot of people, that's an excuse. Like, we just like to watch that shit. We some people like do to like watch, to watch the breakdown. Th- we like to watch explosions. And yes, yes. Accidents when occur he got, before When I... he got um, TMZ, when I'm... Not when he made the appearance, but when they started following him a little more. When he yeah, the right. I think that's when you start seeing some of the mental illness start heightened. And obviously, he was self-medicating. And obviously, since he's rich, he can get kind of what he wants or what he thinks he wants and not necessarily what was mm-hmm. prescribed. He even yeah. admits that. Opioids, he says the wrong thing. I don't know what opioids is, but he was pretty much opiate, probably popping them as he wanted. Opioids is opiates. I just didn't like the way he used it. It's, uh, so if he was right... He kept saying and he kept focusing on the oids, and I was like, "Yo, I don't like the way you're saying." It. So I didn't think it was real. So um, I hear you, but you know what I'm saying. But the rarefied air leads yeah. to whatever people want to think. These are genius musical moments, and yeah. I think we literally are enjoying watching somebody have a breakdown. Yes, like if it goes full on to hospitalization, people will be kind of like, "Oh," but these are the same people who are clicking like crazy. Like yeah. these right. are going to be the same people who are like oh, right because if his hospitalization was televised, they'd watch it. And he went, you know, he went with with Kim. He married, he went, but he went into the reality realm. And he he's adjusted, I think, loud now. But at yeah. first, it was it was t- it was touch and go. Yeah. He was attacking people. He was running. You know what I mean? Like he would come out of buildings and uh, run. Yeah. But my thing with that is, and this is where the Kanye funniness, and we don't have to keep going because I don't. No, that's that. fine. That's fine. Is you kind of knew what you were getting into when you married this woman? Oh. And I'm not saying a disparaging thing about Kim, but yes. I mean, they created a and she, he knew her, but way before that, right? Like, and so like, and if he's ever yeah. had time, we bumped into it. You know, there was a million flash bulbs that are gonna mess Absolutely. with your retinas when you come out. Thing. So I didn't like that once he got into the scene because he does that with. I can't believe this guy is following my wife on Twitter. He acts like people should make these weird exceptions uh, yeah. because you're you're you, and no, you're gonna be treated the same way. You're a celebrity couple. We're gonna treat y'all the same right. way. We're gonna take pictures of you. Yeah. Um. Drake is going to follow her on Twitter. I don't know what that even was. I think he doesn't understand Twitter. But again. I, clearly. So we, we are watching the. And, and now, now, me personally, I think the voyeurism is too much. I don't think we should watch the decay of this man. I don't either. No, I, I don't agree with that. turn off the cameras. Yeah, yeah, um, it looks yeah. I don't agree with that. Because it can get really, real pretty quick. Like, he's at a point where, is he going to hold himself up with his kids in the room? That wouldn't be so far off. Like, it wouldn't be a leap for him to do some hostage situation. I agree with that, yeah. From he's he's unstable. Taken. Yeah. But um, I did see some clips, and again, I do want to finish the Kanye because I wanted to wrap up. Um, I did see some clips of him on Kicking It With The Kardashians. He looks a lot more stable and centered than I've ever seen him. Like, when he's talking, he's kind of making sense. Not just big platitudes like yeah. all that Trump means. He was just saying, you know, stuff. I know. That's why I don't want to go all the way there. But at least on this, because, yeah. you know, the thing, of, the thing about the Kardashians is they run a tight ship. 
So you're not gonna be kind of acting crazy. Cut. We're gonna re-record this. Let's roll that back. Your money. Right. So let's roll that. Let's roll that scene back. Yeah. Let's do it this way. Are you ready? Yeah. Get this. I don't want you to be yourself. Make sure you mention this because that's part of this scene. Yeah. So yeah. There was a lot of times he wasn't on there. Yeah. So I wonder if he was like, if in that time, if he was not well, they were like, eh, you're probably. Not on it. Because they definitely are I, very... Yeah. Cut. They don't accidentally put anything on that show. Oh, I agree with you. And whatever they cut out is probably... They are about itself. money. And they know how to... They know how to... This is years. They know how to produce their show. Yeah. They know what I their fans want to see. So if they, they're like, uh-huh, cut that. Yeah. I, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kim... Main Kim sits in that editing room. Oh, I'm sure. No, no, yeah. No. Oh, well, actually, Chris. Probably sitting Chris. Because right. she pimps them all Yes. Out. We, you want to talk mobile? I made y'all damn kids, and you ain't do a damn thing for me. She pimps them We're going to make some money. Your father's, I don't know where they are. One's <laughs> passed, and the other one, I don't know where he is. And don't forget, and your other father, you know, he killed his wife. You know yeah. that, right? OJ and Chloe. You know Chloe's OJs. She does not look like... Yo, I, I'm going to be honest. I don't give a shit about any of this. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I fucking hate them, but, but like... It's, it's, I, I, that information has never made its way to me, and that's okay. why I don't know it. But no, it's the jokes. I agree. And I'm old enough when the jokes make sense, so when they yeah. call her... Uh, when they say, who you talking about? Oh, <laughs> you talking about Arenthal? Like, when they call her Arenthal, Arenthal, Chloe, I just be busted out laughing, because it's like, either it really is the truth, or it's like the worst kept secret, right? But that's the only ones it could be, because she actually looks just like them. But um, I dabble. Chloe, I my... you were talking about Chloe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so now that you have the information, Bob, just look up Chloe Kardashian right next to OJ Simpson, okay. and it's gonna blow your mind. Everyone yeah. else looks like Robert except her. except her and her body, the way she's developed. All the, all the she's kids the biggest one. Robert. She's the tallest, most athletic-looking one. The rest of them are short, they like all girl like size. Yeah. And he, all right. That's, all right. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> What's what's next on the agenda? Let's, the, wait, 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 wait. the agenda is long gone. It's <laughs> we just this was the it's incinerated. Uh, yeah. This is actually something we've never done before. We have I don't think we've ever actually gone back to talk about things that we've already talked about. Good. Like so, it, it gives y'all a good through line. So when they listen to this episode, they'll go back to the goody mob episode. Yeah, exactly. Trust me. Yeah. There yeah. and there are always. I'm glad that we're doing it because there are always things afterwards, and I'm like, shit, we should have talked more about that. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's Thanks been great. Um, I'm glad y'all named it this. Um, I was a big Roots fan before I moved to Philadelphia. And I love him to death. I'm a big Black Thought fan, but he's one of those people that I felt like I shouldn't have met him. Mm. Well, when I when I didn't know Black Thought, he was God-level. He was wearing a dread cap. I didn't know what his hair looked like. He was mm. doing his roster thing. He was God-level to me. Like, yeah. I came here like one to yeah. be him. Literally, I understand that's the level I was at. And then when you meet him, he's normal. You know, he's a regular guy. Uh, he smokes, spoke with him, you know, and it's like, he's still an amazing MC, but it just took away from, like, I, sh- I should have never met him. I just always wanted to mm. revere him. Mm. But it's not nothing against him. He's still a great guy. Yeah. But, um, meeting your idols sometimes. Not the, not, and I'm not talking about when you disappointed. That's a whole other thing. Like yeah. When you meet him in, like, a shit bag. That's a whole other thing. Right. But just meeting your idols and seeing that they're mortal. Sometimes I That takes him off that pedestal. Yeah. yeah. But it was yeah. just ill enough Half-Life. He had much more to go. After yeah. That, so yeah, I, 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 still, I, I put him back up on God Lord after he did that acapella <laughs> interview like two years ago on um on the on the Funk Flex. Uh, no, this is actually on like some like intellectual site like uh, not Breitbart. I'm I'm going a whole other direction. Oh, like I Huffington Post or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm just it was just giving some me, news I, site like Huffington that. Post or yeah. something like that. Mm. He did some interview and he just spit this 
80 bar. He is crazy. The references yeah. are crazy. I feel like he just opens up his mouth and that shit happens. The way he's able him. to pull the references and they, they rhyme so well. Yeah. yeah. Like you put Nefertiti and Hemingway into something and it just falls right into it. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really great. But, um, yeah. Um, meet your idols. Have tempered expectations. This is Curly Cashel representing Wrecking Crew. Signing off. Where can we find Tosh? Um, Tosh is available through Backwood Studios website.com or you can just go to curlycastro.bandcamp.com and we got the Wu Pulp physicals coming and that's on recordcrew.bandcamp.com so you know just look for us we do and you got another show with Swift Technique coming up well we got a show on the 28th of this month at Milk was it Milk Boy? Milk Boy Milk yeah. Boy mm-hmm. yep and then we have a potential another show with them in May but that's like in the sticks up Atlantic City so we'll, we'll wait on giving y'all the information on that and then I have a show in May in New York opening for Quelle, Chris, and Billy Woods. Nice. Um, they're doing like a joint thing to celebrate their releases. And um, me and Prem are going to be there performing at Shrapnel. Oh, yep, that's a new project I have coming out this year. It's uh, Curly Cash on Prem Rock, produced by Lucid. It's mm. called Shrapnel. That's all I got. Dope. It's good stuff. Thank you. All right, so be on the lookout for Curly Castro, Wrecking Crew. Shrapnel. New career crooks too. Azula's group. Mm-hmm. New career crooks coming this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got we, we yeah, stay yeah, working. We're doing some big things. Try. Yeah. Prem Rock got a solo record. Small Pro got two records, one instrumental and, and another record on deck. Shout out Small Pro, eighty six Witness. I'm, I'm proud of him. Oh man, we're doing that. I love that. And we've been working on that for a minute. Literally, I know y'all read the interviews, so mm-hmm. I'm proud that that came out. So I just want to give a shout out to my man. All right, this is the next movement. We'll be back at some point. (laughs) Come back on the next movement. Peace. Peace.